flatten the curve. But you wanted to make sure that it was a steady stream mm-hmm. for five, six, eight months. That would have not overwhelmed your healthcare system. When you have these isolationist policies, you're going to get the surges. That's just the reality of that kind of policy because it does not eliminate the virus. Well, if it doesn't eliminate the virus, then people are susceptible to it. If they allowed the infections, then you could have flattened the curve so that we don't have any of these peaks. You wouldn't have had this false surge because by that time we would have had herd immunity because you would have equaled out that infection rate across five, eight months. And that would have just crippled this virus. But when you go through this process of isolation only, then you are saying we're going to try to sequester the virus, but then it's going to, at some point in time, it's going to pop up its head. And when it gets to the point where it is now, you're at critical mass. And what that means is this is sustainable. These infections are going to be sustainable. And so she has damaged the healthcare system in this state by not allowing the virus to take its natural course where we could have had, okay, say, you know, 300 infections a day. So, so, so what you're saying, Dan, is uh, we've re- reached this plateau that we're going to level out, and it's going to be hard, uh, and I will give you one caveat to that, it's going to be hard to get less number of infections at the same constant rate of testing. Is that correct? Well, yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with it. You've hit critical mass. Right. You've gotten to the point where you've got so many infections out there, the virus is so well spread that you're going to continue to have this impact on the system. And if she had not gone through isolationist policies, we could have flattened that curve, we could have gently rode it all through five, or five to eight months, and we'd be done with the virus today. Mm-hmm. So very quickly, uh, Dowd posted something a little bit earlier. When you get to that curve uh, that we should talk about with regard to masks, I think that's important. But uh, back to this whole discussion about treating us with regard to color codes. Many people are hearkening back to you know, 9-11, the Patriot Act, yes. you remember? I mean, we're starting to really code things as far as that. It creates a very hostile and I think limited uh, uh, sort of comfortable psyche for us to explore and go back to our old habits. So the new normal becomes the normal uh, going forward. So the TSA lines that you weren't expecting, now you have TSA lines and getting patted down. And, well, we're all, you know, having to go through additional screening, additional, like we can never keep ourselves safe enough. And no major disaster or terrorist attack has happened since. I mean, people need to realize what we're dealing with is something that we're going to be continuing to live with. And unless we push back and say this is not going to be the new normal, this is going to be your new normal. And if you did not make your voice heard, I think, during this time, if you didn't, you know, impeach MLG or whatever you needed to do, go rally or do a Trump rally, you you literally hurt yourself um, during this time. You gave up your freedom and they thought... No, they're not going to fight hard enough for them. And Dowd, I thought you really uh, put a, an important graphic earlier about the mask versus non-mask. It's, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. Nothing we could have done that would have uh, reduced the number of infections. Yeah, if you want to see this graph, folks, it's uh, we'll, we'll put it up online, too. But right, I just, a couple hours ago, put it up on my Facebook and Twitter, at Dowd Muska. Um, some guy in Los Angeles, or claims to be in Los Angeles, just a Twitter guy, he ran the data on three states very close to each other, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of similarities between those states, uh, Intermountain West. And he shows when the mask mandate was was imposed in New Mexico, of course, earlier than the other two, of course. And it shows basically this graph of graph of cases, and it just proceeds along all three states, regardless of when the mask ma- mandate was ma- implemented. Of course, we're all going to be saved by masks, right? Uh, and it just shows the I think it's the cases per one million population, and it just shows that the policy these these dolts like MLG thinks that think that if they just work the right levers and knobs, they can control the coronavirus, and it's. Uh, 
this graph makes it abundantly clear that they cannot. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of uh, you know when George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg head out to to go fishing, yes. right? And they try to do everything, but they didn't pay attention to the signs ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nor were they sensitive enough to the upcoming storms because they got a little bit uh, too bold. And she led us right into the perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, this, there's no doubt, her leadership. Uh, or I should say lack thereof, is exactly what created this uh, current environment that we're in, and now we're going to have to sustain this high level of infections. I will say this caveat that I wanted to uh, suggest to you is don't get tested. Don't take the test. I won't take it. Period. Yeah. If you're at some place and someone's forcing you to take the test, do everything uh, humanly possible to not take the test, folks. There's no reason for you to get tested. As we uh, put out, uh, Dr. What is it, Yegi? Uh, Eden. Eden, Dr. Eden. Eden. I, I'm thinking about Yegi uh, antenna that i got to go fix right now. But uh, that's one of the, th the things is, is you, you, it doesn't mean that you're infected at all. Uh, it's providing this additional, uh, given the PCR test that has come out, it doesn't necessarily suggest that you are currently uh, infected with the coronavirus. It, uh, it may show that, according to Dr. Eden, it may show that because of your exposure to other coronaviruses, you already beat it. So you may get a positive test, and that's good news, not bad news. But this is the clown world we're in. We can't have that discussion. Let me bring you guys. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Unless you unless you need to seek medical attention, and that has always been the premise. That was the premise in the UK. You do not get tested unless you need to seek medical right. attention. Right. Even New Jersey followed that edict, and then it's fallen by the wayside. And that is the the important thing to understand. Those people who are ill, by all means, get tested if you think that that's what it is. But it's up to the medical professional to dictate whether or not you get tested, not by your own, you know, uh, standards. It's amazing that we actually have to go back and look at the numbers, not of the number of infections, not of the number of deaths, which is what we should only be tracking, mm. because there's no way, and that's not a, that's an uncontrollable variable. When you think of deaths, anybody at any point that's in a hospital at the time of their death, uh, from the time of March 13th until today, December 1st of 2020 can be characterized as a COVID-19 death, and there's nothing you can or su uh, do or say about it. Yep. And that's important. Now, there's one other thing I want to say before we cut to break. I'll bring these guys back for like a 35-minute segment that they're going to go back and forth on. And, Dowd, why don't you tell me what that is uh, right after I, I say this. There's nothing your government can do to prevent what has happened. Neither a Donald Trump or an MLG, they could only make it worse. MLG has indeed made it worse. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we have one of the highest, if you want to go ahead and say, infection rates. But that's by choice to keep you on lockdown. That is it. How does she keep you on lockdown? Let's, we're going to make sure that every single person in the state of New Mexico is tested. This color coding and this county by county, this is just another layer. And if you're sort of caught by surprise that she's bringing this out, this is a literally a remedy that I brought out back in March and April of this year. And wrote about this is how we should you know, treat five fingers, you know, five members of your family. They're all different. The five different uh, fingers that you have, they're all different. We should have treated every one of these counties differently, and we should have allowed them to go ahead and maintain this, but not scold them, saying that we gave you the information. Here's what you need to do, and well, if you didn't do it, we're going to go ahead and penalize you. This is now impossible to police. You can be out and about. She may as well said that uh, there, we did the two reset, two week reset. It is open. If you want to go ahead and penalize uh, businesses, she knows. But where's that pawn shop? Did that pawn shop get prosecuted out in grants? Did any of these businesses who broke the governor's edict, how are you going to go ahead and prove in a court of law that it was 25% or 50% open or that you were 80% open? It's impossible 
no police officer is going to take time while they're out there ripping down my tower or, I don't know, murdering or stabbing somebody here in the city limits so they can go take a, 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 a query of the number of people that are in your restaurant at the time that they find you. It won't hold. So businesses... If you've ever felt emboldened that you can go ahead and open up your business, now is the time. Let me tell you why. Because there are no police officers, no state police, no city police, no state uh, officials that can really police what's happening and then make it enforceable. If someone finds you, where's your warrant? How are you going to go ahead and stop me from operating? It is literally impossible at this point. And I don't think she's thought that through. And in fact, today, let me tell you about something about today. Do you realize that we don't have a health order, because when the health order ended on Sunday night at midnight, from Monday all the way until the new health order comes in at midnight, which is going to be tonight, tonight. you can have as many people in your business as you want, hey, and there's nobody that can it. stop you from doing <laughs> That's right. it. You need to That's understand right. that, okay? I, I you want to go ahead and keep your mask and your social distancing and all that? You can do that. The health order is going to start again tomorrow. Now we got to go ahead and can you imagine it's such a nightmare for you to police your own places? Can you imagine the state police or the city police having to police a new health order that they have no idea? Their heads are spinning. That's, that's telling you that we don't even know which way is up anymore, so it doesn't matter. And a point to what you're saying there, Eddie, is yes. that you could also say it's human error. I didn't know that I was over 25%, yet uh, we were, we're counting, we're, we're trying to control all this stuff. So you're right. I think that, that there would be almost no way to litigate this on the part of, of you, the It's of impossible. The no, yeah. and I've already consulted with two attorneys. It's literally impossible. At this point, uh, if you have represent, send a, send a letter to your attorney, tell you to go ahead and, and a force stop, have the Department of Health show up at your place. They couldn't stop you if they tried mm. because they'd have to go ahead and litigate it. What are they going to do? Take your lock, shut your doors? prevent you from operating, they can't do it anymore. Because these codes have basically said, whether you're at 25% or 100%, there's no way of them monitoring exactly where they are. These are recommendations now. And you want to know why she doesn't care? Because she doesn't think that she's going to be here. Yeah. Within the week after the economic team is announced, where well, you're going to have the COVID board, which has already uh, uh, slightly been announced, you're going to have your Health and Human Services Secretary. And I bet you soup to nuts, it's going to be... Michelle Lujan Grisham. 550-5500. That's 550-5500 here in the Kiva. All right, Dowd and Dan have it from here. I'm going to run to the site, and uh, we're going to evaluate uh, what's there. What What's next on, what's the next topic, Dowd? Hopefully it's not COVID. Uh, I, I'm hoping to pick Mr. Butterfield's brain on the election irregularities, because he has forgotten more about what's going on than I than I know, and it's going to be a fun a fun segment, I think. All right, so you guys go back and forth. Make sure you guys get, get some good arguments in. Um, I'll get to your texts uh, about uh, 5.30 if I can. i got to go ahead and take our engineer who made his all, uh, all the way from New Branfels, Texas, to come here just to get to AM1600KIVA up. And thanks, everybody, for listening right here in the Kiva. And as always, download that app at abq.fm. That's abq.fm. And you can do low-tech guys out there, kiva.am. Back and forth, Dan and Dowd for the rest of the hour. The market is flooded with health supplements that claim benefits in memory, but virtually none offer credible evidence with their products working until now. 
Memory Revitalizer 800-606-0192. This potent natural formula was invented by a neuroscientist and physician. Memory Revitalizer slows aging, improves memory, increases energy, gives robust stamina. It has been used in an Alzheimer's clinic for 18 years. It is safe. It does not interact with other prescription drugs. Two large blinded studies confirm the benefits in memory capacity. Customers say it's wonderful. It works. It's essential. Buy it from Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, and other independent pharmacies. Or purchase it from Moses Country Store and other independent health stores. Or go to MemoryRevitalizer.com. MemoryRevitalizer.com or 800-606-0192. MemoryRevitalizer.com or 800-606-0192. Hi, I'm Walt Arnold with Sperry Van Ness. Do you own a business that's expanding? Are you outgrowing your space? Do you need a second, third, or even fifth location? Call my direct line now at 256-1255 or visit waltarnold.com. Salon Deluxe and Tan Rio West have partnered together to offer hair, nail, and skin care with our signature Solitone, Lumi Facial, and Lumi Lift, and Brazilian Blowout. And this is Deb Slight from Tan Rio West Life. We specialize in permanent makeup, tattoo removal, Botox, Juvederm, spray tan, and eyelash extensions. You can reach us at 896-0586 at the salon or call Deb at Tan Rio, 994-2390. We're located at the Country Club Plaza in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. In most cases, recovery of your stolen vehicle is not the reunion you had hoped it would be. It may have been trashed, torched, contaminated by toxic chemicals and more, or used to commit additional crimes. Revelco Vehicle Anti-Theft Device prevents theft in the first place. 505-550-4994. Raw Greens on San Mateo, north of Manal. Come into Raw Greens, all-natural CBD and hemp products for anxiety, stress, sore muscles. Raw Greens topical creams, tinctures, and pet products. Raw Greens, online, cbd.theplaceilike.com. Life Spring at Salon Helena, Albuquerque's home for Kangen water. Life springs from the water you drink. Alkaline water is healthy water. Change the water you drink. Change your life. Go to... Water.theplaceilike.com. Do you believe the U.S. can run trillion-dollar deficits forever without consequence? Do you believe our politicians have any incentive to rein in spending? Do you believe the stock and bond markets are on solid ground? If you don't, and if you believe something's wrong, but you also believe there will be an opportunity as things change, then call Greg Zanetti at Zanetti Financial. He's been helping people with their investments since 1986. He sees the investment world through a clear lens. He gets it. No annuities, no insurance, no investor profiles. The goal is to make you money. Call Greg today at 250-3754 or visit him at ZanettiFinancial.com. This week can be your best week, the week when you get onto a better path with your money. Call me, Tom Crow, at Crow Financial Advisors to give your nest egg the attention it deserves. 243-2281 or visit crowaboutmoney.com. In our increasingly busy world, it is always nice to take a little time to sit down and relax. At Monty's Cigar Shop, we offer everything to help you do just that. There's nothing better than spending time smoking a great premium cigar with family and friends. 
Monty specializes in artisanal, hand-rolled cigars that make up just 2% of the worldwide cigar market. With over 2,000 different kinds of the absolute best cigars for you to choose from, you are guaranteed to find the perfect fit. Whether you've been smoking cigars for years or you're just starting now, we'll find the right cigar for you. Stop by and see us at 3636 San Mateo in Albuquerque or give us a call at 505-881-7999. That's 505-881-7999. All right, time to put things together. We're going to start with the weather. Looking pretty nice uh, today and tomorrow. Wednesday, I'm sorry, Thursday, it's just going to be rough stuff. 35s are expected high. Don't worry, by weekend time it recovers back into the 50s. Right now, not too far from that, Taylor Ranch at 48 degrees. Crystal clear blue skies in Harris with 42 degrees. And it is 50 degrees at the Rock of Talk. All right, here's what's going on. They cleared the accident. Major crash that we had heading into the canyon there on I-40 eastbound right inside of Canuel. That's cleared. It's on the paperwork stage on the right side. Traffic behind it. It's still a little stubborn. Give it a couple more minutes and it'll clear up. However, on the westbound side, directly across from the accident, another accident. State police really have trouble with this kind of thing. No real backup behind this one, but it's also what's causing that eastbound trip to stay a little bit slow into the canyon. And if you continue westbound on I-40, it's right past Eubank and before the Wyoming exit, another accident. That has the right lane blocked, so get ready for some delays there. Well, this traffic report is brought to you by Joe's Pasta House in Rio Rancho. Joe's Big Buckets. Tonight, you need one of his five big buckets. Is it spaghetti with meatballs? Uh, maybe the Southwest Chicken Fettuccine. That's got that little green chili in it. Oh, that's my favorite. Listen, along with that, you get a large bucket of garden salad with dressing, a loaf of fresh homemade bread, so go online right now. Choose one of your five Joe's Big Bucket entrees at joes.enjoytakeout.com. All right, we're up to date. Let's dive back into the Rock of Talk. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. All right, 435 here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, 93.7 FM. Dowd and Dan will probably take it away from here. A couple of quick uh, interesting things that I do want to say. You know, think about this. You guys are sitting, it, the irony of you're sitting out standing in line outside of any Walmart. And then when Black Lives Matter wanted to go ahead and uh, throw the bum rush on uh, on any place and take out appliances and, and steal TVs and do that, I mean... Harass what, people at a restaurant. What's to prevent you from doing that, honestly, at this point? And I'm not suggesting that you do that, but there's nothing to prevent you from doing that at this point. I mean, that should not be lost on any of you out there. You know, why can't you just run in and get as much food and toilet paper and all the things that you want and take it? And, hey, anything that you take out of any store, less than $1,000, uh, you won't be prosecuted for. And there isn't going to be any police to go ahead and, and take the call and throw you in jail. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, if anything, at this point, the only card she has left to play here in the state of New Mexico is martial law. And that is going to be unenforceable. Because the state police, the city police, the county police departments simply won't do it. It's it, it really is that so so if you're opening just a little bit, you might as well open all the way through. Who's gonna show up? How are they gonna prosecute you? If you're gonna go ahead and pile up all these different people going into all these different stores and restaurants and everything, can you imagine the logbook for cases? They're just gonna throw them out. And I know, Dan, you've already talked about what Alito's going to do with all this. He's just going to say, well, you know, roam the world, or, or doubt. I think you were studying more up on Alito and what he's going to do. It's like, 
You know, the, these are way too many infringements upon our constitutional rights, which we still have. Article number three, talking about a little bit of that today, which we still have our rights despite these health enforcements, which are looking out uh, for our own good. Okay, so Dowd, Dan, I'll be back in about uh, 45 minutes. Uh, everyone's nice. loving the fact that uh, we are uh, suggesting to people to just go out and do it because we know that there's nothing that they can do to enforce What's there? You and, need to and, understand. And kudos that. to the Roswell City Council. Council voted yes. last night. Open they will allow the city manager to keep venues or facilities, at, you know, under the control of the city, not the, not not private. Uh, but they will they will allow them to keep uh, open regardless of state public health orders. Congratulations, the good people of Roswell, for electing a majority of councilors who chose to defy the Minnie Mao but, up but in you, Santa Fe. But you have all these idiot Republicans, the Rhino Republicans out there, and they they want to make a big deal about the three tier system, and they're like, we're laughing at it. Yep. You don't have to agree to it. You don't. It, it's not a contract. There's nothing she can say anymore that is going to hurt you any worse than you've already been hurt. So you know, give her hell, bite your lip, and give her hell as. Uh, <laughs> and her policies <laughs> have already failed. Her, her policies have failed. Have. So why yeah. continue to double down, triple down? on the same failed policies. And I think that Alito has basically signaled that. He said he was willing to tolerate it up front. He's no longer willing to tolerate it. And I think that that's a clear message to anybody who wants to litigate. If yes. you want to go after this, the Supreme Court has got a sympathetic ear to that. It's not going to be a long, drawn-out winner anymore. Nope. If you decide to shut down and stay distanced and need to mask up, and she decides to go ahead and run the table with anybody who goes through, the, through any hospital is infected with COVID-19, and the PCR tests are 100%, stop testing and don't shut down at this point. That's literally the, the two tips we can get, uh, give you. Most of you think that you've already had the coronavirus anyway, mm. or have had it at some point. So why would you go get it tested to verify to see if you have it? That wouldn't really help you, help you at this point. It's all a complete and total scam. Dad, Dan, take it away back at 45. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, just final point on Roswell, folks. Uh, just We talk about the constitutionality. We talk about the statistics. But there's a third element of this which uh, interested me last night. I, I wish I could have been there. I don't know if I would have been allowed to travel to Chavez County Pittsburgh? out of, out of uh, Bernalillo County. Pittsburgh? Is that it? Was that, was that, um, the optics. Um, the people who came in, Jacob uh, Roebuck, he's a city councilor in Roswell. Uh, he, the people he brought in, because he, it was his item to be presented to the council, he was able to call witnesses, I suppose, uh, to this hearing. And the people he called included a Roswell High football coach, three Roswell High school, high school students, a youth pastor, a fourth grade teacher, a mental health specialist, and a certified nurse practitioner. I will take that team against uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham and uh, Trip Stelnicki and all the flunkies up there in Santa Cruz. Every single time, uh, the optics are not good when you have Middle America rebelling uh, against uh, against the tiny tyrant up there. But we're going to shift focus just now uh, and get into something we didn't really weren't able to talk about in yesterday's show. And we have the Dan the Man here to walk us through. The state of the fight against, uh, well, some funny things that happened that election night or the day of, uh, and, I, and I would argue even the day before. And, Dan, I'm trying to understand all this because there's so many moving parts to this. And um, my conceptual framework for this, and you can tell me where I'm wrong because you're very good at that, is in terms of looking at the geography of it, I'm looking at the Sun Belt, which would be Nevada, primarily Clark County, Arizona, primarily Maricopa County, and Georgia, primarily Metro Atlanta, and the Frost Belt, uh, Wisconsin, uh, primarily the Milwaukee Metro, uh, Michigan, uh, Wayne County, I guess that's the Detroit zone, and then Pennsylvania, Philly. So we've got sort of the states that are under contention, the Frost Belt and the Sun Belt. 
and I'm thinking of the chicanery existing in three forms. Things that happened ahead of the election, like, say, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court saying, you can count paper ballots as long as you want. We don't care. We don't care what the state law says. The day of, which we're starting to see more and more witnesses and their affidavits coming out saying, I observed this. I was just listening to one that came in. Uh, she said, I, I contested a ballot because all, it was all Republican, all Democrat. Everything was marked. It was filled out wrong. And it, was filled, it was filled out wrong, which yeah. means it normally means it's chucked out. Yep. And the person there said, oh, no, we're going to give this to the Democrat. Sure. So we've got a lot of these witnesses. And now they're not only just do they, doing the affidavits, but they're appearing at these various meetings. Uh, these aren't really legislative hearings. They're calling them legislative hearings, like in Arizona, the legislature's not in session, and it's not an official no, committee law- meeting. these are civil lawsuits. But, but, but it is. I mean, they are saying these things publicly. They've sworn their name sure. to the affidavits. And then there's the third element of this, which is the statistical analysis, which I've just started to look at, where you see these, you know, these enormous tranches of votes come in for one side. Uh, uh, and when you see that in, in a graphic form, uh, it's, it's very telling. So that's how I'm trying to understand. There's so many damn mis- moving parts of this. It's... It's conceptually difficult well, to, to grasp, but walk us through where the fight stands and how, how, we, how it was best to think about how this battle is being waged. You have to look at the mindset. You have four years of vitriol. Yes. No so, I, so I have an article on uh, dot .chat, uh, four years of vitriol. You don't expect a clean election with that. What you expect is you're going to get a lot of zealots out there doing mischievous things. Are they organized versus disorganized mm, mm-hmm. and so there are a lot of so if you're looking at all the election you're looking at disorganized players those like the uh, uh texas social worker who signed up 67 uh, residents in, in a nursing facility that's the disorganized that's the individual player the individual player not getting orders from headquarters that's right <laughs> then you're looking at something like uh nevada nevada mailing out all these mail out ballots or mail-in ballots just indiscriminately. Mm. They are not going to be able to survive their, their election. The problem for Nevada is those six electoral votes likely will not be counted one way or another okay. until they can uh, reconcile what they did with the mail-in ballots. But that is organized because that is the state, that is the Democratic Party that basically forced these mail-in ballots to go to everyone. And, and just very quickly, in Nevada, uh, there's been a couple of articles on the Federalist about Native communities giving out prizes and money to go out and vote. I mean, they've been doing some really interesting work on subversion. Now, that would be organized, I'm sure, if they're so, holding events yeah. and, and giving out goodies. Nevada may be just one of these outliers. It may be one of these things where it's going to go to the Supreme Court on whether or not they get cert- to certify their vote or not mm-hmm. because of the mail-in ballots. Right. They didn't control them. So there's no chain of command or custody in that regard. Then you look at Georgia. You look at Arizona. You're likely looking at a lot of individual players. You may be looking in, in Georgia in the uh, Atlanta region, Fulton County and DeKalb County. There may be a level of organization there. And that organization has to do with the county clerks not actually testing whether or not the signatures coming back from ballots right. are actually associated with the ballot coming back. And now, that can is, I, I can ask you a question, question quickly yeah. about that. How is some poll worker or somebody at the county clerk's office or somebody associated with the Secretary of State Qualified. I don't know. How they to don't do, do it. it. I don't know how to do handwriting they analysis. They don't do it. I mean, that, this, you need to be trained to be doing handwriting analysis. This has been the problem with absentee ballots for years, if okay. not decades. Okay. I think Democrats have a you has a, have abused that system where they get the envelope in and they trust you. <laughs> yes. That you voted and it was your signature that you put on an envelope. Well, guess what? They don't do a comparison. Sure. And they could do comparisons because it's just a software issue. Mm. It's no longer you need a, a, a specialist here. You just oh, do computer AI can do that. It's huh? All AI can do all that. Wow. And you're not looking at 100% f- 
verification. You're looking at if close you're enough. 70, 80 percent, sure. is it close enough versus something that is so far off the charts? It's, it's like fingerprints. Fingerprints aren't always coming back as 100 uh, percent match. Okay. They're usually a five point, a six point, a seven point. The same thing with signatures. Okay, okay. So you can do that with software, but they have not done this in previous elections. That's why you can steal votes through the absentee ballot uh, uh, system as well as the mail-in ballot mm-hmm. because you don't have a signature that you're comparing anything to. You're taking it rotely. Now, the mail-in ballot, I don't believe there is a signature to compare to. Right, 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 right. And so that presents an even different uh, problem. Now, if you're looking at, at Wisconsin, the Trump campaign paid $3 million to get a hand recount in Wisconsin in two counties, Dade, uh, Dane and Milwaukee. And what they are looking for, where they were looking for a signature comparison count. Okay. Dane and Milwaukee are just doing a hand count. They are not going into their archives and comparing signatures against the signatures sure. that are on file. On your voter registration and card. And that's why, if you hear Trump talking about that, he's right. Okay. They should be doing a direct comparison. Is this signature 80, 70, 80%? close enough to the, the person on file, do we trust that this signature is valid? And this is the issue, again, with Nevada. They mailed out indiscriminately. Therefore, they can't verify any of these ballots coming back in. They have to do a lot more legwork, and they're not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get into William Barr saying, we don't see a criminal act taking place here. Well, it's because the county clerks aren't doing their jobs right. and haven't been doing their jobs for years, if not decades. Mm-hmm. The, the problem this election, doubt is absentee ballots have never been more prominent right. in any election than they are today. And so we don't have the safeguards in place for the absentee ballots. We have them. We don't follow them. <laughs> right. And therefore, the it's like having a law on the books that you don't enforce. That's right. right. Exactly. Nothing. And so when Trump is going into uh, Wisconsin and saying, we want a hand count, but we want a hand count that's specific to did this individual actually request this absentee ballot? And the only way you could tell about that is with the signatures. Mm-hmm. Because if the signature matches, then you say, okay, I have a high degree of confidence right, right. that this ballot, this absentee ballot, was requested in the state of Wisconsin. And so Wisconsin has a law on the books that says, unless a ballot is requested, it cannot be solicited. Oh. And therefore, there is a special caveat in Wisconsin. And that's why Rudy Giuliani is pushing for Dane and uh, Milwaukee, but they have to get the proper recount, and that proper recount means that the county clerks have to do their job, job that yeah. they should have done in the first place, sure, sure. which is to compare the signature on file with the signature on the inner envelope of the ballot that they received in, you know, that that was returned to that county. But but even even uh, politics aside, which is ridiculous in an right. election. The logistics of doing that, whether it's a person checking it or feeding it into some AI system, that's a big job. I mean, yes. we're not used to doing that kind of thing. In this no, country. we should be used to doing that because given the fact that we can have software recognition on this, mm-hmm. it should not be a monumental task. Mm. Yes, if you're looking back in the 60s, almost impossible to do that. But nobody was using absentee ballots right. in the 60s right. or the 70s or the 80s, even the 90s. Yep. Yep. And so what we're looking at in this case of Dane in Milwaukee is we're saying prove that the voter that returned the ballot is the voter that's on your registration. And now this is not the hanging chad of 2000. In 2000, it was a hanging chad. It was human error. Yeah, yeah. What is taking place in Dane in Milwaukee, according to Rudy Giuliani, is malfeasance. Sure, sure. This is the thing that William Barr is not looking into. 
Because he hasn't gone to the county clerks and said, do a comparison, do a direct comparison. That's how you prove criminality. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, it's criminal in the sense of voter fraud, but it's also criminal in the sense of mail fraud. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this, on the part of the zealots that are doing this, they have committed multiple crimes, and they don't care. The ends justify the means. And that's why I say it's a zealot mindset, and that's another article on Dot .chat. So if you go to Dot .chat, you're going to get you know, the four years of vitriol that sets up the environment. The zealot mindset kind of tells you, okay, what to expect from a particular part of the Liberal Party. And it doesn't mean they're all going to cheat, no. but a certain portion is going to cheat. Sure, sure. Now you start looking at what I think that the Trump team has failed to do. And it is uh, another article. I don't know if it's on the DAP chat or not. And it's going to be, look at the addresses in which the mail-in ballots were sent to. <laughs> and, and I know it isn't on there yet. It it's basically has to do with uh, successful ballot harvesting sure. demands economies of scale. You right. can't right. have hundreds of thousands of mail-in bo- ballots that are fraudulent if you're mailing them out to 100,000 different averages. Mm-hmm. You have to go to central clearinghouses. I've not heard that yet. And I've not seen Barr look into that aspect of it. And that means you have to go to the county clerks, go through their databases, and say, where did you send all these mail-in ballots to? Right. And then check it against the original voter registration address to see if well, that was that what, person what, actually... Once you see 10,000 go to one, one address, you know... Oh, you don't even, okay. I said, you right, don't even yeah, have to... Right, you, right. There's no second-guessing at that. Right, all right. 10,000 of those yeah. should be questioned and yeah. basically removed... From the vote tallies. Yeah. 10,000 people living in a mailboxes, et cetera, uh, <laughs> somewhere in a strip mall somewhere. <laughs> that, and, yeah. and that's the only way you can have successful ballot harvesting that led to the statistical aberrations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we talked about this last show, uh, uh, after the show, and talked about this Benford's Law. Yes. yes. Benford's Law says, you know what? You can't expect 100% of anything, really. And what you had in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania were step functions. To the vote tally. And step function, for those who are not into math, a step function just means a vertical line. And so you look at uh, Wisconsin, you look at Michigan, you look at Pennsylvania, and the only way that the vote tally went for Joe Biden is it had step functions to move Joe Biden from trailing significantly to leading marginally. Yes, yes. Those were step functions. Those are aberrations in the statistical world. You don't have that. Now, the, the, the... People I consider untrustworthy bad guys, not just because they're Democrats, but as you say, they're, the zealotry of this is insane. I've never seen anything like the last five years. The otherwise intelligent, rational people who somehow think Donald Trump is to blame for you know everything in, in, that goes wrong in the universe. So in their own world, they it's do, justified. They, they get rid of them. It's perfectly because it's a religious crusade. Yes. I mean, you're killing the Muslims and you're taking back the Holy Land. You know yeah. that, that kind of thing. Um, they would say these are simply examples of heavily blue zones being fed into the system. 100% is, is still 100%. Okay. Go back historically to, say, even Wayne County or Dane or Milwaukee. You're going to have a level of Republican voter there. They are not going to be 100% Democrat or liberal. It's just not going to happen. It just doesn't happen. It's, okay. it's a statistical uh, impossibility. Same thing in Philadelphia. And when you look at Philadelphia, you're looking at 400,000, 500,000 mail-in ballots all going to one candidate. You know that that's, there's something wrong there just on the sense of it. Yes, yes. And so you look at these step functions, they can't happen because you have a distribution. Even in, like I said, Dane and Milwaukee, you would expect historically, if it was an 80-20 rule, and these aren't even 80-20s, they're probably more like 70-30 rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if 
Joe Biden only got 70% of the vote in those different counties, he loses. Yeah, yeah. He had to get 100% to overcome Donald Trump's lead in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan. And so you start looking back from the logic of that. That's what's driving the uh, Trump legal team's uh, lawsuits. And we go back to the, we go look at the liberal media, what they've done. They're in a propaganda war. And so they're trying to demoralize everybody. Oh, certainly. And so when you look at the lawsuits that were originally filed, they were filed on election day to prevent a crime. Well, we're not living in the minority report. No. You can't prevent a crime, no crime just yet. because you think. We're getting there, but not yet. <laughs> but we know, we know that malfeasance was likely going to take place, oh, sure. but you can't stop it unless there's a crime, until there's a crime. And so all those lawsuits, they were thrown out because there was no evidence. Of course there was no evidence, because there was no crime yet. Right. Probability of a crime, very, very high. <laughs> but you can't prosecute on the probability of a crime. There has to be a crime. Mm-hmm. So after the election, now it changes. The entire dynamic changes. So now when you look at the legal team, what are they trying to do now? They're not trying to prevent a crime. They're trying to expose a crime. Mm-hmm. It's a very different uh, And when scenario. you're not in law enforcement, you don't have the tools of, 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 of a prosecutor, of a police force, that kind of thing. They're trying to do it almost as private citizens, it as, is, as is a political it, campaign. It is civil lawsuits. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. And that's why they have kind of distanced themselves from the AGs. Yes. The state AGs are actually going at this from a criminal, criminal aspect. And something that people need to understand is that the Trump campaign is a civil party. They are a private party. They mm-hmm. can only go at this civilly. It's a civil lawsuits. Right. Well, Rudy's civil. not the Attorney General of the United States. He's a lawyer for the campaign. <laughs> well, he's big actually difference. a lawyer for the president. Oh, per- personal, yeah. And so we start looking at this. The criminality of this stuff doesn't go away because... Trump's lawsuits in the civil court don't bring some sort of adjudication or some sort of remedy. Mm. I think they will. I think in Dane and Milwaukee, the judge in, that, uh, in those counties, in that case, is going to say, they paid $3 million, they want a legitimate right. recount, yeah. which means you have to prove that the signatures match to the ballots you received. That they haven't been doing this for years should be an eye-opener to every American that the, the absentee ballot system has probably been being abused for years, if not decades. It's just we have not used absentees to the same degree we are now. And so I think the Democrats knew how to cheat that part of it. But they didn't cheat enough. They didn't cheat enough. I remember you saying that, yeah. They didn't cheat enough. So we're going to have another article that gets up on the site pretty soon on Dot .chat that is going to talk about they didn't cheat enough. Their margins are not large enough. For Donald Trump to go away. Mm-hmm. And all he has to win is Georgia, right. Wisconsin, and Arizona. He didn't have to win anything else. That's uh, 269. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Georgia's uh, 11? 16. 16. Arizona's 11. Yep. That's 27. Wisconsin's 10. Wisconsin's 37. That'll get him to 269. There you go. And I don't think Nevada's going to be able to certify. Oh, oh, oh. So okay. you don't even do it out of two, 238. You now do it uh, out of, uh, or 258? Yeah, 258. Is that... I think that's okay. whatever the electoral college is out of. It's out of all the senators, all the right. House of Representatives. No, it's, two, uh, it's 538. Right, so five. you're going to remo- reduce that by six. So it's going to be 532. Uh, yes. Yes. And out of 532, 269 is more than half. That's right. And that's all you're looking for is half. There you go. Even at 269, then you have a runoff. The runoff is this. It's every state gets one vote. So how many Republican states do you have? Three more than you do Democrat states. So 
269 is enough for Donald Trump. I think he's going to get Pennsylvania. Well, and give it give credit to the founders for having that backup system where it's kicked to the states as yeah. as as a, because they could have they could have just left that part blank. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you about something this morning I heard on Glenn Beck. I was sort of going in and out right. with the dog and everything. And I didn't even know who this guy was, but he sounded really smart. Um, some guy who was some pollster, some mathematician guy, and he was talking about sh- the sh- potential shaving off in the red zones, in the rural areas. Yeah. He was talking about, you know, Trump was predicted to win somewhere by 65%, but if he only wins by 61%, no one's really going to notice that. But uh, enough of those blocks of votes add up to shave off and, and keep him from winning one of those states. Have you run across any of that? Yeah, or? I've, I've looked at all the statistics that the guys looked at, and he's absolutely right. Oh, okay. What well, he walk through it. What he presented was, you look at the precincts in Michigan, and he only studied Michigan three red counties, okay. which means they're going to more likely than not vote for Donald Trump. And so he looked at three of these red counties, and I'm going to start this off by saying it's called sweeping the change or skimming the change. Skimming, skimming. This is an old... The, uh, the count room at, at, at the Stardust, yeah. <laughs> yeah this, this is... Well, cashiers do this. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll take a penny here, a penny there. Yeah. You won't notice it. You won't notice Same it. thing in software. The, the, the software programmers, when software really became inundated in our life, they would skim off the last few pennies of a transaction. Nobody would notice that. Because it's a large transaction, you're only taking a little part of it. Yes. I so think that's, that's the plot of Mike Judge's office space in 1999. And so they were stealing a little bit of the money. You yeah. just steal a little bit so that you don't n- become obvious. Mm-hmm. Well, in these three red counties in uh, Michigan, uh, Macau- uh, I have to look them these up. These are rural Mac- counties primarily? No. Oh, no, they're not. They're, they're very heavily uh, Republican counties, large, La- okay. large counties. Okay. And in those counties, what he looked at, he says, statistically, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> because there's another principle you look at when you start looking at statistics, and it's homogeneous distribution. So in a county, you don't expect to have a really massive distribution in how people vote. It's pretty much straight across the board. Sure. So if you're a Republican, you're voting the party line, it's pretty much across the, the county. Well, what he did is he goes like, I'm going to take, you're I'm going to study all the... News, ABQ.FM. I'm going to study... K229CL 93.7 FM and AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. So, so what he did was he looked at the uh, precincts within a county. As a precinct became more... The recommendation is in. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. A CDC advisory panel on COVID-19 votes on who it thinks should get the vaccine first. The voting members of the advisory committee on immunization practices decided to recommend health care workers and long-term care facility residents get the first of the vaccine to be distributed. Committee chair Dr. Jose Romero announced the tally. Thirteen in the affirmative, and one no. The vote followed public comment, some applauding the process, others calling it too quick and not thorough enough. Currently, two vaccines are awaiting emergency use approval from the federal government. Grinnell Scott. Fox News. There are competing proposals now on Capitol Hill for coronavirus relief, with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell proposing a much smaller package than the $900 billion bipartisan one that was outlined earlier today. But McConnell says he's focused on one the president will sign. President-elect Joe Biden has formally announced the nominations for members of his economic team, including former Fed Chair Janet Yellen for Treasury Secretary and Cecilia Rouse, who would serve as chair of the Council of Economic Advisors if confirmed. With this team and and others will add in the weeks ahead that we're going to create a recovery for everybody, for all. 
We're going to get this economy moving again. Biden made the promise that his team would be there for the American people. The top elections official in Georgia calling on President Trump to rein in his supporters as some election workers, including the Secretary of State, are being threatened. It has to stop. Gabriel Sterling oversaw the implementation of the state's new voting system. He says his anger reached a boiling point when he learned a 20-year-old contract worker had a noose placed outside his home. America is listening to Fox News. Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor. In life, there is no stopping. But if you do, make sure no one is behind you. All clear. Progressive Motorcycle also presents basic policies starting at $79 a year. Progressive Motorcycle, for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy is not available in all states. Dell Technologies has announced their Cyber Monday sale. They're releasing new doorbusters every weekday, plus up to 50% off cutting-edge tech for your business. There's no better time to upgrade your small business with the latest laptops and desktops with Intel Core processors, plus there's free shipping on everything. Yes, everything. Give Dell Technologies advisors a call. They'll identify the right tech solution for your business. Call 877-ASK-DELL or go to Dell. But I think, like, he didn't say that they Trump got 27%. like, oh, 95.5. No, even there, he got, like, close to 30% of the vote. Um, hey, Rudy, you there? You're listening to Fox News ABQ.FM, K229CL 93.7 FM, and AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Hey, Rudy, there. Hey, Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy Grande, call in Rudy Grande. I don't think I don't think okay. we have access to Rudy. So let, let's let's continue on. <laughs> yeah, with let's that. reset this. We had a, we had a news break, folks, and we're we're talking about uh, a, a statistical analysis done by a professional in three counties in Michigan, three primarily red counties. And Mr. Butterfield, uh, you're listening to KIVA. It's Doubt Musk and Dan Butterfield taking you through the uh, afternoon as Mr. Aragon works to get us back up and running. Uh, so we're going to go back to Michigan. We're going to go back to uh, the Wolverine State and talk about this uh, analysis that Mr. Uh, Butterfield, the engineer, finds compelling. Well, I'll tell you, it, it wasn't done by one individual. It's been done by a number of people. And the data right there makes a lot of sense to me. Have a math background, have a statistical background, have all that. I mean, I, I understand what exactly what he's talking about. And the guy's name is, uh, and it's, it's an Indian name, so it's A-Y-Y-A-D-U-R-A-I, uh, Ayadure. And what he did is he went into this, these three counties, that are red counties, looked at it precinct by precinct. And what he found was astonishing. It's something you should never see statistically. It's an aberration that does not exist in any natural state. What happened was, as the precincts within that same county became more red, i.e. more Republican, mm-hmm. Donald Trump got a lower percentage of the vote as the precinct became more red. Interesting. And not only that, it was a perfect line. So if you're used to doing curve fitting, curve fitting just means... Enough data points above it to below the, the line. This is a perfect negative regression line. Mm-hmm. And so he calculated in that county alone, what, or in the three counties, 67,000 votes were 
peeled off through the voting machines. At for, the same rate? No, it all depends on how, how what, what percentage of Republicans were in a precinct. Okay, okay. So the larger the number of Republicans in a precinct, the more you can cheat, the more you can steal. <laughs> right, right. Because right. you don't notice it. Sure. Again, sure. we get back to sweeping the change. Yep, yep, it, yep. It, in large transactions, you don't miss, you know, 20 cents. But you do miss thousands of dollars. Well, the software is very smart that way. It says, guess what? We're just going to peel off a few votes. This is why Sidney Powell is going after the software, mm-hmm. Smartmatic. And it's the Dominion machines, but it's Smartmatic is the, the, operating, tech or? Is the operating system. Okay. So it's, it's the operating system that underlines all this stuff. And so in these three counties, he determined 67,000 votes were stolen from Donald Trump given to Joe Biden. That means a difference of 138,000. So we've got to think about this. Once you take them from one candidate, give them to the other candidate, it's a difference. Yes. So it's not 67,000 votes. It's 140,000. It's not totally making you stronger. It's making you stronger and, and your opponent weaker. That's right. <laughs> right. And so you're looking at almost 140,000 just in Michigan. Well, Michigan, the, the margin is around 140,000. So Donald Trump's team can find additional malfeasance in, in the Wolverine state. I think that's very applicable or very possible. And the same thing can be applied once you find the malfeasance in the Wolverine state. You can apply the same metric to wherever Smartmatic is actually the operating system within the other states. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. Steal from the rich. Yes. The very they notice it less. <laughs> That's right. Yes. The rich yes. notice things, the pennies less. Well, some rich people I know uh, notice the pennies. I've got many rich people who notice every. I've, I've sat at a restaurant where the rich person I know actually backdated a coupon, changed the date so she could get her ten percent off. I thought, no, well, okay. But I will tell you this: in red counties, if you're missing a thousand votes, those thousand votes build up yeah, because yeah, you yeah. flipped them to your opponent. Well, it's not a thousand; it's two thousand. So every time you can flip a vote, that's two votes. And so what they've done in Michigan, what has been analyzed. And I'll tell you, it makes a lot of sense. Now, the counter-argument from the liberal side is, well, he just pissed off a lot of Republicans, right, and therefore right. he got a lower percentage of them. But that does, again, I talked about this homogeneous distribution. Mm-hmm. In a county, you're going to have a homogeneous distribution. What that would mean is a baseline shift, not a negative regression line. Okay. And so you would say a shift in Republicans lower across the board. Mm-hmm. In fact, he got an increase in Republicans across the board. So even the amount of votes okay, okay. that this Dr. Aya DeRay mm. has come up with is almost the low end. It's probably much higher than that, even in just those three counties. That's what Sidney Powell is going after. I think she, her press conference, she went a little bit too far, talking <laughs> about foreign interests yes, and yeah. that sort of stuff. All you got to do, look at the numbers. And the way to tell this, doubt is pretty simple. You do a hand count in those counties. Exactly. Because... Those counties, if they got paper ballot backups, right, right. You, will, you will expose that theft. And that's what Trump's team needs to do in Michigan in three counties that are red counties. So likely the county clerk will be cooperative. You go ahead and, and, and ask for a vote recount, a yeah. hand recount in those, not a machine recount. And that's what people need to understand with Georgia. Right, right. Georgia has been a machine recount. Right. It has not been a hand recount. So you're just going to get the same. You're going to get the same results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing is that, in, again, with Georgia, they're not looking at the signatures on any of the absentee ballots. So they're not doing comparison. So, yeah, of course, you're going to get the same count. That's not what Donald Trump is talking about. It's not what his campaign team is talking sure. about. They're talking about you have to do your due diligence and look for theft. But that's not what county clerks do. That's not what they're set up for. 
They're not looking for criminal activity. They've never looked for criminal Yeah, they're activity. administrators. They just want to run the, run bean, the pro- program. You bean know, counters. Just, yeah, yeah. Bean counters. Yeah. They're just saying, okay, human error, clerical error, okay, we, we'll have to put rules in place to go ahead and catch that. But when you're looking at criminal uh, behavior, they're not set up for that. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is where it may go to the Supreme Court because you're looking at uh, Pennsylvania. The amount of malfeasance in Philadelphia, it's, re- it's over the top. And if Philadelphia or, or Pennsylvania doesn't do a hand count and actually look at the mass mailing addresses, because right, I guarantee right, right. that's what happened in Philadelphia, that you had to have mailed all this stuff to spur, uh, specific sites. And if you did that, then guess what? You're going to find that everyone that went to this address in, on this street, the 10,000, the 100,000, those are all going to be trashed, thrown out. Quickly, couldn't you set up a trigger ahead of time with that in your system that, that pops a red flag up and says, sure boy, we're sending, you know, sure. it's not all happening on the same day, but we're getting all these requests. Maybe we send somebody, we send the intern out to look at that actual physical location and see if that's an apartment building or what it is. They don't look for criminal they don't, intent. They don't look for criminal intent. You can't see what you don't look for. Yeah. You can't find it. Yeah. And therefore, in Philadelphia, I think in Dane, uh, Dane and Milwaukee, probably the same thing. You're looking at in probably Wayne County in uh, Michigan, you may have found that same thing in Fulton in, in DeKalb County in Georgia. Mm. And so you have to look for those mass mailers. Where did the mass mailers go? Just go to the county clerk's office. Look at their registries and look at where they mailed these things out to. That's the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. Not even looking for all this other stuff. Look for the mass mailer site. And if you find those, if you find some that, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 10,000, then you go in there and say, all those ballots that went there, we want to check all those ballots. Right, right. Because those are likely fraudulent. And so that's how you do it in a smart way. I don't think that the legal team's doing it the smart way. Okay. I think okay. they're running around like a chicken with their head lopped off. They know malfeasance is taking place. They're just not sure how to make sense they're of it. They're trying to make that's, their way through it. That's why you're getting all these affidavits. I don't need the affidavits. I can, I can tell you this. You've got the records to check. That's right. I if can, you do your job. That's right. And quite frankly, when you're looking at the number of mail-in ballots that came into Philadelphia, you could not do it any other way than have them mailed out to specific locations. You could not do 400,000 separate individual addresses, make sure that those residents actually sent them back with the vote that you want them to vote on. Right, right. You know, right. so at the end of the day, you have to have control and secrecy. Mm. That means at the end of the day, you have to have these clearinghouse sites. Well, that's all you look for. You don't go through all this other crap. This, all this other crap is going is to delay you in, in finding the malfeasance. Because mm-hmm. the minute I could see 10,000 votes going to... This, this location right here, I go in and I purge all 10,000 of those votes from the election rolls. And I'm telling you, in Philadelphia, you're looking at hundreds of thousands. So you could find a few sites because, again, at that point, we talked about disorganized, the, the social worker in Texas. Right. She's just a zealot. She's a one-off zealot. Yep, yep. But in Philadelphia, you're looking organized. Yeah, machine politics. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, so you would and you do what you're told when you're a soldier in a machine political system. Cook, County, Cook County, Illinois. You do, right. but the machine... Or you don't you rise. Do. You know, everybody wants to rise in the system. Wayne <laughs> County in Michigan. Yeah. Probably Madison and Dane in Wisconsin. Mm. Maybe even Fulton in, in uh, DeKalb County in Georgia. So you have to look at that as being malfeasance. Again, our election system has never been uh, challenged the way it is. And it's challenged because the get rid of Donald Trump has been for four years. Right, right. And quite frankly, the vitriol... And then people think it's okay to do whatever. 
And, and they've had you can rationalize well, anything if you're if you're slaying the dragon. That's right. You you can justify anything. The problem, as I said in one of the articles that'll be coming out in dot chat, is that they didn't cheat enough. <laughs> okay, and, and I say that tongue in cheek. I don't think they could have cheated any more. I think what they did in Philadelphia, when, when you start looking at the Benford's Law, mm. you look at Wisconsin, Michigan, and in 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 uh, Pennsylvania, you go like, statistically, you can't have that. Yeah, yeah. So. They cheated as much as they had they could, <laughs> and it wasn't enough because they didn't uh, produce a knockout blow mm-hmm. in the Rust Belt states. And so Donald Trump goes like, I know there's cheating, and you got me by 20,000 in Wisconsin, I ain't getting out. Right, you right. got me by 40,000 in, in Pennsylvania, <laughs> right. I'm not getting out. Right, right, you got me by 13,000 in Georgia, I ain't getting out. You got me by less than 4,000 in Arizona, I ain't getting out. In Nevada, guess what? They're, gonna, they're not going to be able to certify. Mm-hmm. And so in Michigan, you're looking at, I think, 140,000, something around there. And he's going like, you guys didn't cheat enough to get me out of the contest. Uh-huh. And you didn't demoralize my supporters enough. Really? And so with this cheating, you can see statistically where the cheating was taking place. And Donald Trump just was, they didn't cheat enough. And they couldn't cheat anymore. And if they could have counted on a, a Romney or a McCain, who would have been like the good soldier, oh, I'll do what's right for my comp- country and not put, the, put us all through this grueling uh, 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 process. Oh, no, Donald Trump, has no, he's, a fighter. He, he's a New York street fighter. He doesn't care about it. But it's also four years of vitriol. He's going like, oh, yeah, yeah. you've tried to, to do whatever you can to get rid of me, whether yeah. or not it's the collusion hearings, which were ridiculous, yep, yep. the impeachment stuff, oh, yeah. which I have all the articles on my, my website, danbutterfield.com, yep. the impeachment stuff, Adam Schiff knew the that. Steele dossier, everything. Throw it all well, in there. Well, Steele dossier is actually kind of irrelevant. But the impeachment stuff, Adam Schiff knew that Donald Trump was innocent. Not, not guilty. He was innocent of the charges because he had to go back into the National Defense Authorization Act of 2019, and it spells out why Donald Trump was innocent. Mm-hmm. And Adam Schiff knew that. He didn't present that to the public. Yeah. What he did was he presented a phone call, a nebulous phone call that happened weeks if not week a month after donald trump had put a halt to the funding but he put a halt to the funding because there was no ukrainian parliament right right, right. so congress had demanded that the ukrainian parliament the civilian government show or demonstrate oversight over the military ministry why because we're giving them javelin <laughs> anti-tank missiles right, and, right. and and our congress wanted to cover their backside Absolutely. that's the only reason why it's in the legislation of the 20 uh the 2019 national defense authorization act is to cover their own backside. Well, it backfires. Mm. Because by the time the DOD authorizes the uh, release of the money, there's no Ukrainian parliament. <laughs> and so Donald Trump had no choice. Yeah, yeah. To fulfill the law, he had to actually put a halt to the, the funding because there was no Ukrainian parliament. Until the end of August, he allowed the release September of 11th. And so... He was following the law, and Adam Schiff knew that. <laughs> we can't trust Adam Schiff. I'm shocked. I can't even. Yeah. Um, but, right, we, I want to uh, circle back to the electronic voting manipulation because okay. I'm. Uh, it seems to me that case is strong, uh, and these machines aren't doing this on their own. There's men and Software. women. There's women and women inducing this. Software. Who are those people? Who 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 are the people making those calls? And can they be brought to justice? Uh, probably not, because okay. you could say, guess what? It's an embedded piece of the software. Okay. Well, but someone had to hit upload to that piece. Uh, Who yes. hit upload? <laughs> we don't know that. Okay. That, okay. That's the part. Could it be a Dominion technician okay. trained in doing this? Mm-hmm. Could it be somebody from Smartmatic? And if these machines are actually susceptible to hacking, were they hacked outside, and therefore it basically triggered 
the embedded software. Okay. Okay. Or is the software always been there? And it just is part of So your of local a, official might be totally oblivious to this. Absolutely. Okay. I think they are. Okay. I think they're absolutely okay. oblivious to this because you can have embedded software that hits thresholds. So I can program a, uh, an algorithm that says, uh, for the uh, counties that don't have many voters, it'll never break the threshold. Mm-hmm. So you'll never see it because it'll never be caught because we're not stealing from the, from the poor. Right, right, we're only right, stealing from right, the rich. Right, right, right. And so you have an embedded piece of software. It hits a threshold and it goes, oh, Time to go. Yep, time yep, to go. Yep. And when you go to certain precincts, they're going to know how many people are voting. And so the more voters that come into that precinct that vote on these machines, well, the vote tallying machine says, well, yes, you're a Trump voter. We'll let you go. You're, you're a Trump voter, but we want to make you a Biden right, voter. Right. And so it can be in the software. And the county clerks, the officials in any county, absolutely oblivious. Yeah. And you're looking at three red counties here, Dowd. Right, right, right. So they were oblivious because they could do all the QC they want. Unless they hit the thresholds, it doesn't trigger anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've tested any of these machines. But again, in those three counties in, in Michigan, all they've got to do is hand count. If they've got hard, hard by, uh, copy ballots. Now, it gets a little trickier if you've got touchscreen. And there's greater manipulation with touchscreen because it will parrot back what you've put on there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that that's what the that's, vote tallying machine yeah. is, is, yeah. is registering. Mm-hmm. And they should never be used. Oh, okay. They should never be used because they are prone to me with some uh, malicious intent uh, cheating the system. Right, right. And so I can do that with a touchscreen because I can pair it back to you. Oh, yeah, you voted for Trump. Look, look, you voted for Trump. You voted for Trump. You go out there, wave your flag, and whatever you want to do. Oh, but the vote telling machine, because those uh, touchscreens are dummy machines. Mm -hmm. They, They really have no processing power. They just collect the screen. And then send it off to, send it off to the vote tally yeah, machine, yeah. which is also part of the precinct. And so you go, okay, you send those out. The vote tally machine can say, you know, we got embedded software that says oh, we hit our threshold. Now we're going to start. You know, it's not a one for one. It's a, a hundred for three. You know, we'll give you three. We'll, we'll flip three for every hundred val- vo- uh, votes that come in for for Donald Trump. We'll flip them over to Joe Biden. You'll never know. You'll never know because there's no hard copy. Wow. And yes, we'll print out the hard copy for you. But that's just as worthless as... It's a, that's a parrot. Yeah. That's right. It's yeah. just, I'm just mimicking what you've put in, but my system is recording something else. The way to, to detect that is much more difficult. It's looking at the voting registries that went into each precinct, and then by uh, party affiliation, inputting the exact same thing into the touch screens, sure. and then seeing what the outcome is. Okay. And what you'll find is it probably has shown uh, that they've cheated too. Oy. Oh, boy. That's, the that's rabbit the hole goes very deep, doesn't it? Yeah, wow. that, that's the problem for the Trump legal team. But once they find it once, okay, then you're in good, you're good standing. Because once you've proven it once, you don't have to prove it again. Mm-hmm. You, go to the, you go to the jurisdiction, say whether it's in Pennsylvania or Georgia, and you just, hey, here's our evidence. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes very uh, solid case, even in civil lit- litigation. Uh, but all right, you guys, uh, you guys here, you guys all good? Oh yeah, yeah, we're okay, uh, we're having fun. I'm learning uh, a lot um, from the engineer over here. Yeah, and he's he's you know Dan's hopeful. He's he's hopeful that this this thing can be. Uh, it's not over yet. I'm it's telling, not over I'm yet. telling it's you, it's not over, Dan. Right by a long shot. Not, well, guess what? If he gets Georgia, Wisconsin, and in, in Arizona, then he's at 269. He wins. Yeah, yeah, and I think Nevada will not be able to certify. They they really have messed themselves up to such a degree. They will not be able to certify. 
All right, let's check on weather and traffic. Thanks, everybody, for being patient. Sorry for the top-of-the-hour news. I thought I had uh, shut off the automation, but uh, here we go. Rudy Grande. All right, let's go ahead and put things together. We're going to start with the weather. Looks uh, decent again tomorrow. They say about uh, 45, our expected high. And on Thursday, that's when it's going to be a little bit iffy when we're down to 35 for a high. Well, right now, I can tell you, Cabazon 46 degrees, Tanawan 47, and it's 48 at the Rock of Talk. All right, the accidents we had on I-40 westbound in Carnival, that's gone. Also, the one, they had a second one. This is going to be on I-40 eastbound right before uh, Eubank. That accident also on the right shoulder. Traffic behind that is starting to recover pretty well. Traffic is still a little tentative by 25 southbound, basically from Jefferson down to about Comanche. Well, this traffic report brought to you by <clears throat> Taco Tote on Central across from the historic Highland Theater. All right, right now it's not, you can't dine in yet, so that'll come soon. But until then, enjoy takeout at El Taco Tote. You're going to get this family of five dinner meal. It's really great. Handmade tortillas, 12 of them. The rice and beans and cheese, chips and salsa, and you get the meat you choose. Top sirloin, grilled chicken, porca adobada, bistec, or barbacoa. All right, that's El Taco Tote on Central across from the historic Highland Theater. Go to them online, hugetacos.com. All right, we're up to date. Let's dive back into the Rock of Talk. All right, uh, Rudy, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, all the restaurants can open up 25% uh, open. Uh, that's tomorrow. Is that not correct? Sort of. They can only do a patio, outdoor only. It's going to be 30 uh, degrees. That. That's, that's stupid. That's just I literally that's stupid. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. So if the 25% uh, can be afforded outdoors, where they will have more of a chance of getting sick, why wouldn't you just have 25% capacity indoors? Is that not correct? That That is my thought exactly. It, you, you can't pass the virus um, very easily if you're wearing masks and you're doing the six feet of separation. But you can go outside, catch a cold or the flu, and I don't get that. Okay, well... I think in all this, Dowd, I don't think there's any, you know, something that accommodates uh, for temperature change. We're going to have below 40-degree weather. No, Rudy's correct. We are, uh, other than Los Alamos, we are all at red. Uh, if we proceed to yellow in your county, food and drink establishments, you can do indoor dining at 25% of maximum occupancy. That's total crap. Um, but outdoor, uh, in the 30-degree weather, we'll be allowed at 75%. But I'm colorblind. <laughs> so isn't that okay for me? I'm colorblind. I don't know. No? I mean, as Can't far as... Uh, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. So I imagine there'll be a number of restaurants that are going to be opening up uh, tomorrow um, to say, hey, you know, I don't know. I mean, too cold outside. We came inside, and uh, we couldn't accommodate the outside. I don't, I don't know that there's... Anything wrong with uh, with any of that, really? Well, also right? the new, but the new curfew is also if you serve alcohol, you have to be closed by 9 p.m., not 10 p.m. So, oh, uh, they moved it back. Oh, yeah, just, you know, whatever they're feeling like today. You know, that's All right, well, we just turn every place into a speakeasy. Hey. I mean, at that point. Uh, Rudy, 25% uh, indoors tomorrow, yes, no? No, 25% outdoor tomorrow. Uh, what's the temperature tomorrow? <laughs> Uh, it's going to be, uh, at best, 45 degrees. But Thursday, it's going to be 35s are high. Okay. So that means <laughs> the right. morning is Let's, let's, let's try to teens. accommodate this idiot governor of ours for a second, okay? Let me go to my wonder ground. Because, you know, it's not so much just the temperature, as we know. It is also the wind, the rain, <laughs> uh, everything else. So, you know, the reason why, uh, here it is, tomorrow. High is only 38. Cloudy. Early with uh, partial sunshine expected late. So literally no sun whatsoever. Let's go through the out. You know what I love about uh, Weather Underground? We have our little weather station here that you can 
Mm-hmm. You guys can uh, find uh, find us as well. Okay, so here's the hourly. Um, I'm, it's moving as slow as molasses here. I'm not sure exactly what's happening. Maybe that's our engineer in the back who's getting everything all all squared away. Okay, here we are. Oh, that's that's the engineer in the back. I thought it was like the radios. Like he's he's literally going. Uh, yeah. So overnight uh, by by tonight at 10 p.m. it'll be 34 degrees. Overnight uh, going all the way down to 30 degrees by 7 a.m. tomorrow. So if you were going to try and eat at 25 percent capacity tomorrow outdoors, you would be eating at uh, uh, the wind coming at you from the north northeast at seven miles an hour, which. Thirty degrees, which puts you at about uh, twenty-eight, twenty-seven degrees. Yeah, you'll be the, alone and cold. The, the slight, <laughs> the slight wind chill. Uh, tomorrow, restaurants will have to deal with uh, thirty-six degrees at ten miles an hour, which is basically the same temperature. Um, you know, I, you know that the whole factor, the combination of the wind plus the temperature, creating the wind chill. Uh, the high tomorrow, Rudy, only thirty-seven degrees in all. So, and uh, the wind kicks up to nine miles an hour about three p.m. So you're you're looking at uh, completely totally freezing. I would imagine there needs to be an accommodation made for 25% uh, indoor, Rudy, don't you think? Well, you would think so, and not just that, but just imagine this, all right? The restaurants, there's a lot of money that they got to put into to just buy the product that they're going to serve you. By the time it gets to the table, it's hot, but by the time you put a fork in it, it is cold. Well, we're I mean, Eskimos, Rudy. <laughs> we're Eskimos, Rudy. We can handle it. <laughs> That's what she thinks. She thinks that she is the governor of Alaska. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about this a little bit more from the California standpoint. California basically got rid of all dining, right, uh, for Thanksgiving Day, and, and I think they were just like totally isolated. But I believe in New York, they're opening up the schools, restaurants are opening up, every place that, and, and they have infection rates that are higher than what we're doing here. If these restaurants are going to try to try and survive, and tomorrow at eight p.m. it's thirty degrees with nine mile an hour wind, which puts you right around. 25 degrees tomorrow night. No one's going to be uh, dining al fresco uh, on a Wednesday night uh, after they shop, Rudy. No. I mean, again, it's too cold, and I can't imagine. I've got several restaurants that I talked to today that said they're just not going to open under these circumstances because because of the value, the food that they would have to buy and the small turnout that they would get, they'd end up throwing away most of the stuff that they bought. They're waiting until they can open up. Yeah, and you have to pay some wait staff, and you have to pay for utilities and all that. Why, why bother? Yeah. So, so meanwhile, while we're doing all this, all these people are going to continue to be on unemployment and have to be fed by the state during this Christmas time, and I think most of those unemployment benefits, if I'm not mistaken, have run out. Didn't they, Dow? Did yeah. they not run out? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking at unemployment benefits which have run out, uh, people who are going to be broke for Christmas, but because we're trying to stop the spread and not open up restaurants. Does that, does that sound about right, Rudy? Yeah, that's about what it shapes up to be. Whoa. Well, but also that don't forget, just... you know, you, you, I'm not to bash restaurants, but you, you, you can choose to go to a restaurant. Most of us actually have to go get, get food at, at, uh, at grocery stores. Um, folks standing in line, um, you'll be standing in line in that 20, 30 degree weather. That'll be a lot of fun if you're elderly. Uh, I don't know if you saw John Block's piece today, uh, uh, Eddie, but, uh, he was, he had people emailing and saying, um, I'm elderly. I had to stand there with my cane and my husband for, you know, an hour is a long time to stand if you have, Bad knees or something like five, that. Five minutes is a long time yeah. to stand if you're yes. over 75 years of age. Yeah. So absolutely incredible. All right, let's take a break. Uh, let's uh, take care of our advertisers uh, here in the Kiva, and uh, they take care of you, and you're listening. So uh, why don't we just uh, take care of them, and we'll uh, jump back on the wagon, uh, so to speak. And what's up next, Dowd? 
Oh, I think we're talking a little uh, New Mexico politics. Oh, okay. uh, the chickification of the legislature. Uh, oh. I wanted to get to that yesterday. Hopefully going, we'll have time today. Are you going to be talking about one Kelly Fajardo? Yeah, and others. All right. <laughs> get to that in a second. Hi, I'm Ben Lucero, president and owner of Indigo Mortgage. In the society we're in today, COVID-19 is on the top of all of our minds, and rightly so. But we can also look at the bright side of life, like God still loves us and He loves our families, along with giving us an opportunity like no other to spend time together without the busyness of life. At Indigo Mortgage, we believe in helping families, and we're blessed to be considered an essential business by the government. So we are able to continue helping clients and their families, either by refinancing to a better rate or by helping fulfill their new home purchase. Although we cannot meet face-to-face, we have a full staff available by phone, email, or you can complete an application on our website. Indigo Mortgage is honored to be part of this community, and we're here to help. Contact Indigo Mortgage today, 836-5700. That's 836-5700. Or on the net at indigomortgage.net. NMLS. 2-3-1962 and one 348 and may God bless you. Albuquerque's Macro Aggression. All right. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. All right, guys, well, I got to jump back out of the studio. Dowd, uh, Dan, come on back in. Hello. No, we're, we're on. We're on over here. Sorry. Uh, so we got the engineer. We've got one piece of the puzzle solved. So we're going to try and go put you on uh, the other side of that, and we'll see if it works while you... Uh, well, you gentlemen, uh, take it away here. I've got to race back out. We've been going back and forth between sites while we're doing it. Uh, one more check on uh, weather and traffic very quickly, Rudy Grande. Okay. Yeah, i got to tell you, it is uh, getting cold already, like you were saying. It's going to be tomorrow is the day, not Thursday, but tomorrow's the day that we got the chance of rain mixed with snow. 37 are expected high. And i got to tell you right now, it's not much better. 40 degrees in Santa Fe, 45 in Martinez Town. And it is 43 at the Rock of Chalk. All right. As far as traffic, again, you're going to find a little slowdown right there on I-25 southbound between Jefferson to Comanche. No accidents or stalls. And it's a little stubborn on I-40 westbound out by Coors Road. But just give it an extra five minutes, you'll be able to get onto Coors Road if you're heading up north towards uh, Rio Rancho. All right, this traffic report is brought to you by Elevate. They are in Rio Rancho, and they've got this incredible thing going on right now. Since they are closed and not able to open, if you go to Elevate to elevate your kids, what they have are some packs. They're jump packs with T-shirts, socks, cafe cards, and two-hour jump passes. And listen, everything up to about 50% off. You can order online, elevateyourkids.com. That's where you go. And when you go pick these packs up, you can also get $5 pizza, pepperoni, sausage, cheese, green chili, whatever you want on it. There you have it. $5 for a 14-inch pizza. And make it a party when you give the kids these jump packs. Elevateyourkids.com. All right, we're up to date. Let's dive back into the Rock of Talk. Rudy, my brain keeps going here. Hopefully you can help me here. So uh, it doesn't look like uh, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't even consider of dining anywhere until Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. when it's 52 degrees. I think we started, we, we, we need to change the mentality here. Uh, it, Michelle Lujan Grisham decided to shut everything down, the balloon fiesta and everything. We had the greatest weather ever. And then she decides to open up for 25% uh, outdoor when we couldn't have had colder weather. Now, like, this is making absolutely no sense. She's giving uh, nothing. That's, why. <laughs> That's because she's giving up nothing. Yeah, she's giving up. Yeah, hey, you know, right. shut, keep your shut down. We're going to shut you down in your small businesses. And I'll be in, uh, in Washington, D.C. by then. I think 
here in the state of New Mexico, we need to start changing our mentality and start thinking of ourselves as Minnesota or North Dakota. Okay. And just, you know, let's start going outside with our parkas and, you know, uh, having the matanzas. I, I, you can't put a restriction on matanza, I don't think, right? Uh, how are you going to do that? Uh, also, is there a certain square footage, uh, Rudy, that a restaurant is allowed to have outdoors? Can we continue to expand the square footage? Can you expand how far into your parking lot? Do you know anything about those parameters? That's a city that is part of the city ordinance. Now, they did expand it ever so slightly about three months ago, four months ago. And so restaurants are using as much of the parking lots as they can right now because most restaurants took the city up on that. But they've not expanded beyond what they had four months ago. So basically, restaurants, what you saw uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when they were still doing outdoor dining and, and you could do both, that's as big as it's going to get. I think we just need to start just everywhere we go, just outdoor everywhere. And it's impossible. And as soon as we've seen the... Uh the 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 police we just start scattering right we start <laughs> we, we take the scanners you know you guys remember when I got thrown out of the restaurant right <laughs> yeah take the scanners listen to uh, the <laughs> yeah. listen to the calls well we got a we got a big one over here at one eleven Central uh, there's a massive crowd that's gathering trying to eat I mean uh, yeah. what do you think about operating that way like every night is the uh, bonfire right before homecoming uh, Rudy. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what it was. And the girls always wear those great scarves oh, and the guys those big bulky coats and yeah. stuff. So yeah, it could be really it could be romantic. Yeah, let's just start <laughs> I think we need to start having outdoor bonfires and things. Like how are you gonna shut any of that kind of stuff down? You can't shut down a bonfire because you can be in clumps of ten from place to place. Now the gathering is ten ten uh, uh persons per per occupied area, not in any one area, so it's an impossible to govern. I think you know, this is just good practical civil disobedience uh, and i don't even think it's disobedience it's just you know she's not going to care and uh and and quite frankly none of our none not are any none of us are really going to care that much uh either so anyway all right let's talk about female legislators uh dowd i'll let you step into it i'll be back in half an hour okay uh roughly so hopefully we'll be back we'll probably range around a little yeah um, you guys roam around yeah, here, i want to start a little bit uh, with rona uh and we can get into politics after that all right go ahead all right um yeah mr butterfield dan butterfield is with us of course here in the kiva and uh something dan said months ago i, I think we had our fourth of july uh, uh fourth of july eve broadcast and it was very interesting when when dan made the point that the governor never really identified what the problem is. And if you don't identify what the problem is, you can't really identify the metrics by which you're solving the problem and, and outline a, a, an effective goal. And that, that concept has stayed with me, Dan, for all these months because it, it seems to me when, 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 when thinking about trying to parse her statements or ridiculous uh, comments from day one about this, her problem with the SARS-CoV-2, which is the actual virus right. itself, the, the medical condition is COVID-19 that sends you in, in the worst case into the cytokine storm and all that, and a ventilator, um, and then in some ways you have very, some people have very, most people have very no, no symptoms or, or very few symptoms, but it seems to me her problem with SARS-CoV-2 is that SARS-CoV-2 exists, and in her demented world, as long as SARS-CoV-2 exists, this, these public health orders will continue. The lockdown will continue. The, the, the knobs and the levers will be continue to be worked up in there in Santa Fe until this deadly, in her view, uh, which we know is not even remotely true, that's not deadly anywhere near that caused the fatalities that she claims it does. Um, this bug exists, and it's evil, and it's bad, and it's unfair that some people get sick from it. And if that's your definition of the problem, there's never a solution to that because this thing 
could go on and on and on and on and on. Well, the problem definition is too broad. Yeah. And so you always have to have an understanding with problem solving. Is you have to narrow the problem definition to something that you can actually solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go too far down, the, the three counties in, in oh, Michigan okay. were Oakland, McKay, uh, McCobb, and Kent. And that's what he's saying about, you know, having about 67,000 votes that are... Uh, that were transferred from Trump to, to Biden in this kind, of, this, this kind of sweep, the sweeping the change. And the other thing I want to bring up before we go too far is the criminal nature of voter fraud. The criminal nature of voter fraud means that this election, all the procedural dates go out the window. This is not the hanging chad where it's human error or clerical error. This is about criminal malfeasance. If there truly is proven criminal malfeasance, all the procedural dates, the date that the electorate is uh, sets to vote, the date of inauguration, they all go away because you cannot benefit from a crime, even if you do not have a hand in that crime. And I'll give you an example. Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme. Everybody is, is familiar with that. Well, there are people who got out of the Ponzi scheme early, and so they made their money back. Well, once the Ponzi scheme was exposed, the federal government went back and clawed all that money back. Wow. Hope you, hope you didn't spend it. That's right. <laughs> wow. You had all that money clawed back. Why? You cannot benefit from a crime, even though those investors had no hand mm-hmm. in the criminal activity. Mm-hmm. The same thing for political actors. You can't gain from a, uh, from a criminal act. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And so all the procedural dates that we've been talking about, you know, the date to elect electoral college members, the date to vote on or certify the election, the date for inauguration, they all go out the window. The moment you can prove criminal acts were committed. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's all that the uh, Trump legal team really needs to do because that gives them more time. Yes, the Supreme Court would say, hurry up, hurry up. But the Supreme Court will not push this because they will not certify an illegitimate president based on criminal activity. Mm-hmm. So I just want to put that out there. Well, and, and you just think about state law and also be- Federal kicks in because you're using the mail system. Yep. So, I mean, this is a potentially broad series of charges that, that could be brought against the participants in this. Uh, but as, because it's a criminal act, it is handled differently than a clerical or human error issue. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the, these uh, individuals within the uh, uh, county clerk's office, they're looking at bean counting, as we talked about. Yeah, yeah. They're looking for human error or clerical error. When it gets, rises to the level of criminal acts, the whole circus changes. And we haven't had this before in our system, and therefore this is a new precedent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know the Supreme Court doesn't want to set a new precedent, sure, but they're not the ones responsible for the new precedent. This is the liberal they're, media. They're forced into setting a new precedent. This yeah. is the liberal media that has gone oh. after Donald Trump for four years, created the vitriol, which created the zealot mindset, that created the mindset, as we talked about, justified at all costs to get rid of him. Mm. Anything, the ends justify the means. And I think that that is something that has been largely overlooked, and, and I get that. But this is a very different kind of uh, environment that we're dealing with. Now, back to coronavirus. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of the Rona, you know, politicians are not people who, you know, they have a lot of mental health issues. But uh, playing 20, hindsight 2020 and, and, and jumping in the Wayback Machine, I mean, you're, you're presented, you're, you're an executive, you run a state that is large area-wise but small population-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of diversity here. I, I don't like the word diversity. I think it's ridiculous. But, I mean, if you want to look at ethnicity, we, we have a lot of different ethnicities here, and, and it's not 
comparable to the nation. We don't have 11% Native Americans in America. New Mexico is the number one state for Native Americans. Well, you have population. a diverse population that is across the state, whether right. or not it's a rancher or a commercial oh, sure. vendor. So Absolutely. there's a dispersed, uh, a distributed population, a diverse population. How does, a, in, in, think of someone the exact opposite of, of Michelle Lujan Grisham, someone intelligent and humble at the same time, someone who knows that all policy choices involve trade-offs. How do you approach a problem of a new germ being injected into your state? You didn't cause it. It's come from abroad. Um, and you want to minimize the pain to your state. Um, how could we have done things differently with a, recogni- a, a true science-based approach and a recognition that policy is trade-off? Hire an engineer. <laughs> okay. I, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Engineer, engineers, what we do in the engineering field is we do problem solving. Mm-hmm. And problem solving is a very straightforward concept. It means... How, how do we save the airline 10% on fuel costs? And you look at all the other constraints. And that's what it comes down to, is that we never address the constraints. We went right to solution. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, in, problem, in problem solving, the solution is generally not material. It's understanding the problem, defining the problem narrowly so that you can get a solution set. If you've done all the upfront stuff, your solution set writes itself. It, 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 you don't have any oh, options. Really, really? You have no options. You don't really have to be creative. No, you have not, there's no creative. The only creativity you have is when you're trying to promote a solution based on a symptom, not on the facts. Right, right, right. So you're looking at what we got from the Oompa Loompa. We got a problem solution of lockdown. Well, she defined the problem as getting rid of Donald Trump. The way to get rid of Donald Trump is to sour the economy. So if you look at it from that perspective, she fulfilled what she wanted to see. But the problem itself, when you start looking at this problem, we had no vaccine. That's a constraint. We have a mobile society. That's a constraint. We, the summer heat has no impact. And we knew that very early on because we could look at the southern hemisphere. Right, right. There was no impact with the, with the summer heat. Uh, there are a whole lot of host of constraints that actually then you say, okay, now I understand the problem. I start to understand the problem. I have a vulnerable population not getting any healthier. Okay? That's a constraint. And, and people gloss over this stuff. Then you look at this latest with the fall surge. The fall surge says we're not getting reinfections. So we have long-lived uh, immunity. Mm-hmm. So then you say problem definition is you were talking about. And this is very important. You don't throw everything in the kitchen sink into your problem definition because you can't solve it. Right, right. That's, th- that's the bottom line. So how do you... But mature people understand that. Uh, grandiose politicians think they can throw everything at, 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 you know, at the kitchen sink and solve this problem. I look I mean, at the, the Fauci's of the world, the Dr. Oz's of the world. They don't know how to do problem solving. They really <laughs> yeah, do not. Yeah, yeah, this is not their purview. Yeah. This is a purview of an engineering mindset mm, because mm, this mm. is what you do in engineering. And so you look at the problem definition. What should have the, the problem definition been? Okay, I've got a new pathogen. Don't have any vaccine for it. Got a mobile, mobile society. Got an unhealthy population that is not getting any healthier. What do I do? Well, I isolate that vulnerable population while concurrently allowing the healthy population, because the data tells me this, they can contract and recover from the coronavirus and there's going to be minimal uh, consequence. So that's how you define, uh, well, you define the problem. How do, I pr- how do I protect the most vulnerable population? Because you don't include the general population. Why don't you include the general population? Because if you did, then the problem definition would be protect all Americans. Mm -hmm. There is no solution to protect all Americans. There is only a solution to protecting the vulnerable population. And so the solution set, as I said, it writes itself. There is only one solution. 
isolate the vulnerable population at the same time concurrently, you allow the general population to contract and recover from the coronavirus. What does that do? Creates herd immunity and a protective bubble around the vulnerable population. You have to be truthful with the general population. You have to say, guess what? There's some risk here. Mm -hmm. But all the data from Italy, Spain, uh, even China, those in certain age brackets, no consequence. Right, right. Vast majority of the consequences are for those people with pre-existing conditions and of a certain age and above. So you protect that vulnerable population, but only for a short period of time. Why? Because then you have to look at this other aspect. It's called chaos theory. Uh, no, entropy. Excuse me, entropy. Systems breakdown. Entropy is that there's randomness. Mm. And so you try to protect a population long term, you will fail. It's just not realistic. That's right, because you have a mobile society, and you haven't killed or eliminated that virus, and you haven't, pretend, uh, you haven't produced a protective bubble for that society. So everything that was done with isolationist policies can only lead to one outcome, more deaths. Mm, mm. It cannot lead to a reduction in deaths or a mitigation of deaths. In fact, the moment we uh, went down the path of isolation, we doomed a certain portion of our population to the bad outcome Absolutely. because entropy. We were not killing the virus. So, again, it gets back to what you're talking about. Problem solving is actually very simplistic. <laughs> it's understand the problem for the cons uh, constraints you're working with, the conditions you're working under. Narrowly define the problem. And you have to do that because if you in are too inclusive, such as protect all Americans, you cannot get a solution. So you have to define it narrowly enough that you can actually produce a solution. Mm -hmm. And you're saying the more narrowly you define it, or let's say the more specifically and comprehensively you define the problem, the simpler the solution becomes. The, uh, the narrow the set of solutions becomes. Okay, okay. So I, it, it comes down to this. Now, there's only one. The solution set for solutions in, in regard to the coronavirus is one. <laughs> it was protect the vulnerable population by isolating temporarily and then creating herd immunity around, amongst the general population. That was the only solution that was going to mitigate the loss of life. It, period. But we weren't allowed to have that discussion. No, no, no. <laughs> God forbid. And uh, looking back at history, that's pretty much how we handled pandemics. I mean, there may be exceptions here and there, but looking over the course of human history, we did not have a Sandia guy write a paper based on his daughter's analysis in 2006, implementing social distancing, and then have that be embraced by people in, at the top of the public health food chain at the federal level. I mean, we didn't honor... Uh, there's an article, uh, one think tanks I was reading the other day, it was... Um, study, don't study the science, study the history of science uh, in terms of how to deal with this, in terms of what we've learned up to this point. And we've learned a heck of a lot about how to deal with pandemics up to this point. But we're so clever because we have the Internet now and we have a lot of people with uh, masters in public health. and all, you know, that, No, 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 we'll just, we'll just change things up and this is how we'll, we'll approach the problem uh, from now on. And, of course, folks, we've, we've seen the, the, the outcome uh, the outcome of that, but you're you're describing a something I deal with in public policy all the time, which is you're describing a reality-based world of engineering where the plane either falls out of the sky or it doesn't. We preferably want the plane to not fall out of the sky. We design it so it doesn't, and we, right. and we preferably want to make that 10% reduction in our fuel costs in five years real. In the political world, and I think this is what I really struggle with when I write about space policy and energy policies. A lot of you engineering types. You don't get how the political world works, okay? You don't get to do anything in politics unless you stay in office. And that means you're most of the time appealing to the lowest common denominator. And I think when it comes to corona, that is the mother in suburbia who's afraid of a germ because her little darling might die from it. 
And so they're operating on a completely separate system of decision-making. And I think that explains the, the, the split between these two worlds. And I don't know in, a, in, a, in the 21st century, in a, in a technologically advanced society, how the twain shall ever meet, where you have a, a political system, people in government, a lot of power, and then you have engineers who are reality-based. The people in the political system operate on politics, public opinion, PR, and voting day, and the engineers... Uh, are in a world where either the plane falls out of the sky or it doesn't. Those are those are such different worlds. How do you ever get them to come together? Certainly, we failed miserably uh, from coast to coast when it comes to the corona. Well, that's that's where you, there's some hope in that. And most engineers don't process the way I do anyway. So it, <laughs> you, you should understand that. But it comes down to once you fail, you can get into crisis. Mm. Crisis opens the door to different thinking because you failed miserably. And so that opens the door to thinking about problem solving in a di- wholly different way. And the wholly different way is that it's objective. It is not subjective. The only part of problem solving that's subjective is if you don't have the background in the problem and you haven't defined the problem, then you're talking about solutions. Solutions are by themselves inherently subjective without the corresponding problem definition mm-hmm. and understanding of the problem. Once you have those two things, the outcome, the solution set is restricted because it must satisfy mm-hmm. the problem definition and the constraints. It doesn't have any choice. Mm. So it, it comes down to is that there's a crisis in the country because this was so handled so wrong. And you've got the Fauci's of the world, and, and quite understand, he's going to be victimized in this. When you look at historically, he's going to be oh. victimized. But you know what? The media is what drove Fauci. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because you can pick and choose whatever expert you want to go find. Yep. You know, they could have picked and chose to come find me. <laughs> and I would have told them, this is how you do problem solving. It doesn't mean you have to do it my way, but you have to do it the problem-solving way. And the problem-solving way would have saved lives. But they pe- picked and chose, chose a particular ex- expert that they then continued to beat, you know. They, they, I mean, they basically kind of promoted him oh, yeah. to continue down his idiotic path. And I will tell you, if you've got doctors in the audience, you're not good at problem-solving. You're good at diagnostic for your specific R- right, area, right, right, but you suck at problem solving. Yeah, yeah. that's when you hire pro- uh, engineers who are going to be more detached emotionally about it because it's just puzzle solving. It's not. It's not my life depending on it. Mm-hmm. It's not my years in a career. Fauci had a career, and so he has to say, "Guess what? I gotta, I gotta support my career. I gotta defend my career." Well, his career was all about SARS and avian flu, right, and Ebola. Well, of course he's going to talk about isolation and, right, and tracking. Right. 40% infection fatality rate with Ebola. It's totally different than, than what we got now. And so that was his domain. That was what he has to kind of come out of. He was ill-served for this, but the liberal media gave him a platform, and they just continued to egg him on. And he wasn't intelligent enough to move away from that. And as I said, doctors are probably some of the worst problem solvers. Good at diagnostic for their field. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I, I don't want to... I don't want to say that they don't have value, but I wouldn't have Dr. Oz do problem solving. Because <laughs> problem solving, as I just laid out to you, is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we look at this, these surges that we had. We had the surge back in, when it first came. Right, right. Then we had the surge in the, in the summer, and then we have the surge now in the fall. Right. From a mindset of flattening the curve, an engineer's perspective, you go like, I just don't want to overcome my healthcare system. Right, right. I'm willing to do anything else because this is manipulating the data, like you said. Get 10% fuel savings, everything's okay for me to use. I can manipulate any points of data. I can manipulate any system to get that 
except for safety, because the FAA, FAA right. will allow me to do they care about that. But I can do any other manipulation. Well, if I'm looking at getting rid of the virus, I said, I only care about not overcoming the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm not so sold that I can't overcome the healthcare system a little bit. But that means I need to look at infections as being immaterial. Right, right. But that's not the way they were viewed. No, no, no. Infections were viewed as material, yep, and yep. they were the bad guys. Yep. The reality is it's hospitalizations yes. are the bad guys. Yes, yes. And if we'd allowed our healthcare system to get pushed to its limits for five months, coronavirus is gone. Yeah, yeah. Because you would have created herd immunity. Right, and right. you would have isolated that, uh, that vulnerable population because you would have cared about them. They said, guess what? I can't isolate you for a year because entropy says you're going to die if I do that. Mm-hmm. But I can isolate you for three months, and then the protective bubble that's being created in three months starts to protect you. Right, right, right. By five months, the virus is gone because we've created herd immunity across the general population. And therefore, you're, you may have a little spike here or there. But with the flu, the flu is gone five to six months. Why? Because we create herd immunity. Yeah. Not because of the vaccine, not because of summer it's months. It's all the flu shots, I thought. <laughs> it's not the summer months either, Dad. Right. Oh, yeah, you remember you telling me about that. Yeah. It's not the summer months. It's the fact that you created herd immunity. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you're looking at herd immunity with the flu at 15%. Coronavirus probably would have been gone from our population at 20%. Yeah, I know. You, you, I remember you citing that lower statistic. Some people think it's higher. You think it's, it's lower. And yeah. the benefit of the coronavirus is it's a unique pathogen. Yep. What means what that means is with the flu, you have four vaccines or four strains that are contained in a vaccine. It used to be three. They've now included H1N1. Oh, okay. So they got four strains in any vaccine. Well, how many strains of the flu do you have? Dozens upon dozens. Oh, that many. Huh? And then what do you get with that? You get all the mutations. Sure. So now you're talking about hundreds. The coronavirus is one strain, maybe two, limited mutations. Take it out now, Mm -hmm. and it won't come back. It won't come back, yeah. Because it's one strain. Kill it now, it doesn't come back. It's not like the flu where it's going to be seasonal. Because you got rid of it, it can be gotten rid of. Because it's one or two strains, minimal number of mutations. (sighs) That's what we should That's, again, that's a part of the problem-solving process. Understand what you're dealing with. The longer you keep this as an isolation the more chances for the coronavirus to mutate. Then it makes it harder to create a vaccine to actually get right, rid of it. Right, right. So it's, now they really are getting everything wrong, aren't they? Everything you can be getting wrong, they're getting wrong when it comes to this problem. And all uh, this stuff will be on my website, com, by the end of the week. So all the stuff we talked about with coronavirus will be on the website's 42 articles. Oh, cool. You know, it, and you, 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 it's like a paywall. You go in there, you, get your, you pay money, you, you get a password, you can visit the articles as long as you want. Many, many times as you want. But it comes down to, for me, it's all about problem solving. Mm-hmm. And problem solving, again, is puzzles. Puzzles have no political ideology to them. They're not subjective. Either a piece, a piece fits right. or it doesn't fit. Right, right, right. And so that's the, the process I follow with my writings. Same thing that's, that are up on dot .chat. It, if you read my stuff, you'll see there is a connectivity to them because I'm trying to get all the pieces so you can have a, a, a visual picture that you can then take that context away and say, okay, I got a new piece of data. Oh, I got the context all here. So I know how that plugs in. That's, that's the beauty of doing what I do with sweet, sweet kind of uh, production of articles. So with the uh, economy, I think I'm over 30 right now. Oh. That'll be up on the site end of the week. So it, it I mean, not the economy, but the, uh, the election. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we do not have Dan Butterfield, uh, uh, what, 72, there's 112 uh, Dan Butterfields in, in Santa Fe. Um, I wanted to address this issue of, uh, well, I guess Rush Limbaugh would call it the, uh, let's see, he would call it the uh, chickification uh, of, of the legislature. Uh, Adam Carolla would call it uh, chick think in, in the legislature. We had a fawning profile in the Santa Fe paper recently about our House of Representatives up there in Santa Fe. Now, the Senate is not a majority female yet, but the 70 members of our House, uh, the, lower, the lower chamber up there in Santa Fe in the Roundhouse, women, 37 to 33. And uh, let's just say uh, my view of, uh, well, we don't have a lot of good politicians in general in New Mexico, but uh, you start, start to get over on the female side, ladies and gentlemen, it gets uh, much, much worse um uh, we're 37 they start off profiling kelly fajardo who's an interesting uh, republican republican new mexico republican uh, i guess some people might perceive her to be uh, conservative uh 2019 kelly fajardo voted for let's see uh, all sorts of new regulations for occupational licensing she voted for the energy transition act raising your electricity rates uh, she created for uh, voted for a number of corporate welfare uh, provisions, uh, outdoor recreation division at the uh, economic development department. She voted for the minimum wage hike. I'm sure any engineer, any mathematician, any economist looking at the minimum wage knows that there are trade-offs when it comes to the minimum wage. And in fact, people's hours get cut cut back, and automation uh, becomes more implemented. And it's it's not a magical formula that just increases the wages for people. Uh, she voted for all kinds of uh, spending provisions, capital outlay provisions, special appropriations, poor cola. So that's our uh, leading female. On the Republican side, of course, on the uh, Democratic side, uh, they profiled a little bit of Melanie Stansberry. I believe she was uh, her second term. She's about to serve. Ran against our beloved Jason Bellancourt, listener and uh, one-time advertiser here in the uh, in the Kiva. Record number of winning, women running, according to uh, a, a left-wing female activist at Rutgers, Jean uh, Jean Sizdak, uh, twenty eighteen. Women, uh, she saw a record number of women running almost all on the Democratic side, a blue wave election campaign season, season driven from the left. And, of course, a lot of that had to do with Donald J. Trump, because, as we all know, Donald Trump hates women. He's uh, never, never appointed women to powerful positions within the Trump organization. But the last lines, I wanted to really walk through this kind of thinking, and it's, uh, it's curious. Uh, Kelly Fajardo, our beloved Republican representative up at the House. Uh, she claims that women are experts in building a budget, dealing with education and health care issues, and perfecting the art of compromise. So I guess that women, men aren't qualified to do any of those things. Uh, all those skills are necessary uh, when it comes to serving in the legislature. And women will go to the mat for a piece of legislation they believe in. We are very good at collaborating. We like to birth something. We like to see it finished because it matters to us. We fight for it all the way. That's our nature. That's who we are as women. Identity politics? Um, is this something we need more of in New Mexico? Does it matter whether your elected official is a woman or a male? I think it matters a little more about whether they are voting for or against your basic interest. Uh, I don't know, raising your taxes versus cutting your taxes, uh, implementing effective crime strategies, going down the road towards school choice and, and killing the unionized monopoly that we have uh, in this state that's doing so much to damage our young children. So I wanted to get that article in there. You can get it up on uh, the Santa Fe New Mexican. If you're not a subscriber, I think they give a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, free articles if you, um, uh, uh, you don't visit uh, all that often. And I believe this article, uh, Robert Knott, Hear Women Roar! I am woman, hear me roar. Does, roar. Does that go back to the 1970s? Remember the... Helen Reddy. Lived? Yeah, Helen Reddy. Hear women roar in New Mexico politics. So Kelly Fajardo, uh, I followed her career for many a year. Uh, great, great conservative Republican who votes for all kinds of 
horrible, horrible legislation. Uh, your Senate pro tem uh, is going to be Mimi Stewart. Uh, she's, of course, going to be leading, um, uh, she's part of the leadership now, uh, because, of course, John Arthur Smith was booted out. The progressives ran her out. She has an undergraduate degree from Boston University and a master's in early childhood education, which should tell you all you need to know about her uh, uh, her relationship with the teacher union, uh, teacher unions uh, in this state. So that's uh, that's great. She's been a legislator for two and a half decades. So that should recommend her even even more to us. Uh, that's just uh, wonderful. Uh, Republican Greg uh, Baca, who was recently chosen to be the new minority leader, said he's optimistic about Mimi Stewart being the new uh, pro tem. And I don't know where he's getting that. Re- Republican Senator Stuart Stuart Engel, fresh off his vote, a Republican for a big tax hike in 2019, said she is easy to talk to. Um, that's great. We've had disagreements, but remain friends. I don't see that uh, changing. Stewart expressed concern about newly elected Republican senators who are joining from the lower chamber. Uh, she used the word obstreperous, uh, specifically, I guess, in regards to Representative Greg Schmidis, who's making a trade moving up to the Senate. Uh, he's a Republican from Harris. Uh, I'm not looking forward to a few of the people coming over from the House. Uh, calling the represent- uh, representative Schmidis, uh, he's known as one of the most contentious people in the House. That means you disagree with the progressive agenda. So, um, God forbid we we do that. We we can't possibly uh, do that. Uh, all credit to Senator Mark Morris. He's a Republican uh, you know, in the minority up there in Santa Fe. He said that Mimi Stewart is very divisive and a vicious political operative. She has a strong track record of jamming her political views and agenda through the legislative process. And I can. Um, I can certainly uh, attest to that. Uh, Meanwhile, Mimi Stewart says, quote, I can barely find one person, uh, that would be in her Democratic caucus, who is not in favor of removing the criminalization of abortion from our statutes. You're not allowed to uh, think on your own when it comes to abortion if you're a member of the Democratic Party, apparently. Plenty of Republicans who are not big big, uh, pro-life supporters, but uh, the big tent, I guess, only applies on the Republican side, not the Democratic side. Uh, I have not talked to anyone who is not in favor of using the land-grant permanent fund for early childhood. That's uh, more groupthink on the uh, Democratic side. And Mimi says, the fact is, I do get intense. I think it's important that we in the legislature take our jobs seriously. And, of course, using that word jobs, um, I, I guess if you, if you really think being a legislature, legislator and being a professional blowhard and having staff members write legislation for you and falling asleep in hearings, that's really tough work. That's, uh, that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen, in terms of... Uh, legislature we're, we're, we're going to be more chickified than ever at the legislature and um, chicks seem to like big government in new mexico now not christy Nome, wonderful female governor up in the dakotas and uh, she's uh, she's she's really implemented the well frankly i think the, the strategy that makes sense you know the the let, let trust people to do what's right understand what herd immunity is and uh, that's our governor up there but that's of course in the northern plains that's not down here in the american southwest also wanted to bring to your attention a probably the worst piece Boy, I don't know. This could be the worst piece of media bias I have seen all year. We've, I mean, uh, leaving aside the Rona, the media bias on the Rona has been ridiculous. The people are not even remotely interested in challenging the, the uh, groupthink of the Fauci's and the Dr. Disgraces. Anyway, this ran a couple days ago on KOB, the network affiliate here. Working for the future, New Mexico's expanding job market. Now, you may say expanding job market has been catastrophic. We have one of the worst unemployment rates. Uh, in, in the country, uh, tens of thousands of jobs have vanished uh, this year in 2020. Well, not according to uh, 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 KOB, uh, Channel 4, about 3,500 jobs were created in New Mexico in 2020 alone. That's according to Melina Allen. She's the interim president 
of the New Mexico Partnership. That's another little government-funded corporate welfare agency. She's talking about uh, Netflix and Amazon and NBC Universal. Uh, we're up about uh, 3,500 jobs in this year alone, according to one of our leading corporate welfare spokespeople. Funny thing, folks, when you go to the federal data, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is basically the gold standard for, for uh, labor data uh, in this country, I took a look in January. New Mexico had 915,430 jobs, according to that BLS data. That's beginning of the year, January 2020. Most recent data is from October. New Mexico had 850,375 jobs. So I, I, I did a little uh, subtraction. I subtracted 850,375 from 115,430, and I got a number of, well, more than 65,000. 65,000 jobs have disappeared between January and October of this year, but uh, Channel 4, KOB, and Melina Allen, the interim president of New Mexico Partnership, says about 3,500 new jobs were created in New Mexico in 2020 alone. 3,500 new jobs versus the federal data, which show a decline of 65,000. So, positive 3,500 versus negative 65,000. Negative six, I think negative 65,000 is a negative number. that We've actually lost jobs in 2020, but the, this journalist, a so-called journalist and this corporate welfare spokesperson uh, from the New Mexico Partnership is claiming we've actually created 3,500 new jobs in 2020 alone. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why the Kiva is here. We run those numbers, we check uh, those claims that are made, and um, often we find that uh, things aren't on the level. Uh, and that's why you need to check out www.rockoftalk.chat. Rockoftalk.chat. Uh, we have gone digital in a big way. Many of you listening to my words right now actually are, are, are listening through our, our digital platform. We don't care if punks go up to the crest and try to take us off the air. We can reach you in other ways as well. And uh, Rocket Talk, uh, again, rockatalk.chat. Uh, we'll just very quickly, uh, the debate of the day. Are you thinking about leaving New Mexico? We have uh, over 20 responses so far on that. We do a daily blast, which is basically 10 stories uh, that I find that are really compelling, interesting, connected to people, the people of New Mexico. And we have some national and even potentially some international. And we also have uh, a uh, morning local news briefing and the uh, uh, conservative sort of news of the day. Eddie throws in there. That's his element of it. So we craft that for you, the stuff you need to know. You don't have to go to 40,000 different websites. You can just check us out on the Daily Blast. Of course, you have original uh, pieces written by Dan Butterfield, D. Dowd Muska on there, and uh, probably more fun than anything else, we do the complete show. We post the audio file if you're a subscriber. Post that on rockoftalk.chat, uh, and you can you can listen to it uh, in real, not in real time, but you can listen to it on, in the audio archive, but I walk you through. I do an annotation and show you what we're talking about and then links to the issues we're talking about. It could be an article, it could be a policy study, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Eddie does his uh, his original content. He'll put up a, a show preview, which is always fun. He uh, posted up, posted something about uh, his, uh, his pitch to be the New Mexico GOP chairman. Uh, he is running for that position, and we're going to, Dan and I are going to talk about that in a minute in terms of what the, uh, New Mexico Republican Party uh, needs. My most recent piece is a deep dive, uh, and uh, you can find it, again, uh, rockoftalk.chat. The title is, Like Watching Your Dog Chase Soap Bubbles. Uh, The subhead at Spaceport America, the problem is bigger than a bad boss. I walked through the 362-page independent forensic audit that was done about the management 
of the man who used to run our wonderful um, white elephant in the desert spaceport America out there in Sierra County. And I know, folks, I, I am obsessed about the spaceport, but I didn't create this audit. I didn't impose. I didn't uh, uh, order this audit. I just read and reported on the audit, all 362 pages. And uh, there's just some choice comments in there. Sitting in a, in a meeting with Dan uh, Hicks is like, quote, watching your dog chase soap bubbles. That was by one of his own former staffers. Lots of good stuff in there. Walk you through the revenue uh, versus the subsidy. We've uh, given more than $226 million to Spaceport at this point uh, over a 12-year period, local, state, federal revenue. And it's brought in, I believe, just under $15 million versus a $226 million subsidy. I don't know if you call me crazy. That sounds like kind of a bad, bad bad investment. So anyway, uh, it was a pleasure to read this. Of course, I've been publicly attacked by Dan Hicks, who is no longer uh, in charge of Spaceport America. He uh, was uh, cashiered out uh, by the board in October. Uh, it's kind of funny. There's a great email I posted where the um, this gentleman by the name of Rick Holdridge, uh, I just this, he does not emerge from this audit as a competent leader of the New Mexico Spaceport Authority. I'm, uh, Dan Hicks is a uh, disastrous uh, manager, just horrible on every level. His staff either hates him or feels sorry for him. And last summer, the <coughs> chair of the New Mexico Spaceport Authority was trying to get Mr. Hicks a raise. He was uh, making an argument. Our request is a raise from $153,000 to $175,000. He's only making about half what other spaceport directors around the country in places like Florida, Virginia, and California uh, make. Of course, the big difference there, ladies and gentlemen, is that the spaceports in Florida, Virginia, and California actually launch things into space. Dan Hicks apparently just traveled the world, um, well, the country primarily, going to events and talking about how wonderful his spaceport was and landing next to no business for it. So, Dan Hicks is gone. Check that article out on uh, www.rockoftalk.chat. Again, it's called... Uh, the title is like watching your dog chase soap bubbles. I took it right from the forensic audit that was uh, performing. You can actually, there's a link in there if you want to read all 362 pages. I know, you know, lots of people are sitting around with nothing to do lately because we're all locked in our homes and you know, we're afraid of being <coughs> cuffed by the governor. Uh, anyway, so my, take, so, my, my takeaway from that is you like the guy. Uh, oh, he was, uh, he was a blast, yeah. He actually, I wrote a piece uh, uh, in a different life a couple of years ago, and uh, he, wrote, he wrote a piece in response, I think it was the, the Las Cruces uh, NPR station down there, about how... Everybody seems to have an opinion about these about everything these days. And so Dalton Muska opined about this. No, Danny boy, uh, I actually know, knew then and know now probably more about space, uh, space commercialization than you do. And Danny boy, you're facing the auditors actually forward this, forwarded their audit to law enforcement. You're facing potential criminal charges for what you did there. So... It turns out I knew more about Spaceport America than you did, and you were running the place, Danny. So uh, check that out on, uh, again, folks, uh, www.rockoftalk.chat. But uh, Mr. Butterfield has returned to the studio, and I wanted to get his take on the oh, Republican Party of New Mexico. Um, the election that they just went through, of course, what, picking up one seat in the House, losing a seat in the Senate in Santa Fe, uh, losing two of the three congressional seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, of course, losing... Uh, not carrying the state for their presidential nominee, losing their candidate for the U.S. Senate, who was running against uh, basically a Cretan. Uh, I'm thinking almost anyone could have beaten Ben Ray. Um, not a good year for Republicans in New Mexico. I guess not really a good nine decades or so for Republicans in New Mexico. Now, our mutual friend and acquaintance and partner, Eddie Aragon, is is looking to inject some new life and new blood into that party, uh, you, you know, your, your thoughts on how that clearly, uh, coming at it from an engineer's point of view, 90 years of failure in trying to achieve something, I would think would precipitate, if not necessitate, uh, new thinking, new approaches, maybe. Um, 
From the Republican side, absolutely. But understand something is that you have, uh, how can I say this? You've, you've got success there from some people's perspective because they don't really want change. You know, if you're looking at some of the Republicans, they don't want change. Change is an anathema. People think that everybody wants change. That's just not the way it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so when you're looking at uh, the Republican Party, do I believe they need to change? Yes, I think they need to change. But that's my perspective on it. Mm. It's not necessarily uh, everybody's perspective. And so when we start looking at what the Republican Party has been doing, they are incestuous. And so as long as they get theirs, they really don't care about expanding beyond that. Okay. And so I, I, you know, I talked to Eddie about this a long time ago. I says, what you need is you need a candidate that says, I'm for the people. I'm going to work for the people. And that means things like, you know, we've got a military in this state. We should be trying to make sure that the military is not used indiscriminately. We should not be using the military to go into interactions just because we can. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this state, how would that impact so many people who are currently military? Yeah, yeah. If you're looking at CD3, how many people who have people in the military, sure, sure. military families? But we're not doing that. We're not looking out for the best interest of the people. We're looking out for the best interest of the party. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. So when you're starting to look at what you're talking about, what Eddie's talking about, what I've talked about, is that you do have to start looking at the best interest of the people. If you do that, you can change things. Mm-hmm. If you don't, the Democrats already got it locked up. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're saying you're going to change something, but you're not going to change anything. <laughs> well, if you're not going to change anything, then how do you get changed? The only way you get changed is you have to have an agent of change. And so that's what Donald Trump has been in the, in the White House. He's an agent of change. He doesn't do business the way everybody else does business. Ooh. And he doesn't do business the way Republicans have done business. Ooh. And therefore, he has been uh, a whipping boy by the GOP. They've come after him. Uh, because he's sitting there going, I'm here to do the best for America. means all Americans, I don't care who they are. And trying to get rid of troops or bring troops back from Afghanistan. He went after ISIS. And then he says, we've got to move those troops out. Well, who's stuck in his way? Mm. The GOP. Mm-hmm. Democrats, yeah, because they're going to be obstructionists. But the GOP stuck in his way. Go like, well, how are you helping the American military family? Right, right. I don't care about the military institution. It should be strong enough to, to stand on its own. I should be looking out for the individual, that soldier that's on the front line. He should not be on the front line if I don't need him there. Mm-hmm. Not simply because it's a GOP platform. And I think that that's what the GOP has failed. I think Mark Ronchetti failed on it. We talk about crime. In this state, you should have a Texas-style uh, hold-your-ground or, or stand-your-ground mm-hmm. kind of federal policy. Why? Because you look at the crime in this state. How do you get a person in the state of New Mexico to feel better or safer. Well, I don't want everybody carrying guns. I really don't. But crime has gotten to such a point that if you're not allowing the average citizen to protect his own stuff, his property and his life, you're you're going down the path where you're going to have vigilantism. So let's nip that in the bud. Let's go ahead and say Texas style, uh, you know, hold your ground or, or, you know, stand your ground, stand your ground, which means you can protect your property. Well, that's going to give criminals a different attitude because they're going to say, I don't know if this guy's going to shoot me or not. <laughs> that has been part and parcel of the American justice system, for a long, justice system for a long time. You look in England, criminals know the Bobby doesn't carry a gun. That's right. Of course, the rules in England, if you do carry a gun in the commission of crime, 
you're in for a real rude awakening. But in this country, how many people carry a gun in a commission of a crime, face no extra penalty for that? Well, if somebody they go up against, they go into somebody's home, they're going to steal from them, and that person has a gun, that person should be able to protect their property. And if they can, criminals will start to rethink their behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem in this state. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody can identify criminal, crime as being a problem in this state. Ron Kennedy looked at it as a funding issue instead of saying, no, right. it's got to be a paradigm shift. It's got to be we're protecting the populace, the citizens, the non-criminal element in this state by producing legislation at the federal level that no state can, can cast aside. And if you could do that with a, a Texas-style stand-your-ground, I think that changes the dynamic on crime. Well, if you're not doing, willing to break some eggs, you're not going to anomaly. That's right. And so that's the problem with the Republican Party. Ron Ketty, it just exemplifies it. You talk about platitudes, not about real effective change. So you need somebody who's going to be different in the chairman's position. I think Eddie's the right choice because Eddie is willing to go ahead and, you know, break some eggs. Oh, I don't is. think that he's wanting to be part of the establishment. And I think that that's the problem for any party, any group. And this is any group down. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's hard to uh, break with any group. Yeah, yeah. Because that affinity group, it, it holds... It's a beehive, and I'm a drone, and that's right. these are my people. Yeah. And yeah. once you start you're stepping on somebody else's turf, yep. they come after you. Yes. And we see, Threatening. What, we see what happens with Donald Trump. Oh, big time. Yeah. He has stepped on the turf of the GOP, and they came after him. And you know what? He's good for the country. That's why I support Donald Trump getting reelected, and that's why I'm hopeful he will get reelected. We need an agent of change. If you think the status quo is acceptable, then you don't. Right, right. If you don't need this, if you if you think the status quo is okay, don't support Eddie Aragon. Go with the Osoran. Well, the Osoran is going to get you Michelle Garcia Holmes because she's a retread because she's known within the party. You got to be willing to step outside of that that comfort zone if you want substantive change. Mm-hmm. And this is not me talking politics. Yeah, right. It could apply to a lot of things. Yeah. This is just human nature. Yeah. If you're not willing to change, then shut up. So if you want change and you think change is necessary, then you're going to have to become part of the Republican Party in this state to get Eddie into a position of leadership mm-hmm. because then you can actually have change. Until then, quit grousing because okay. if you don't support an agent of change, you will get no change. Well, it's funny, as a, as a lowercase l libertarian, not an uppercase l libertarian, I, I, I've never been active in the party. I, I know some very fine people who are, but um, it's been interesting. I publicly endorsed Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump. I had a column promoting, Don, recommending that liberta- lowercase l libertarians vote, and, and uppercase l libertarians vote for Donald Trump in Florida and Ohio, some swing states. Um, pushback here and there, you know, supporting a Republican. Donald Trump is not, Donald Trump engineered a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Donald Trump is not Mitt Romney. Donald Trump is not the Bush family. I mean, Donald Trump did something which probably hasn't happened in decades and decades and decades. I mean, he was a true outsider who came in and, and, and got himself nominated by a party, major elements of which don't want him. not only didn't want him, fought actively against him. I'm talking about the foreign policy elite who love the military-industrial complex and they love all our treaties with it and they love having you know the American charge of the world the financial elite, um, you know, obviously there's free traders who I support as libertarian, but uh, you know, donors and a lot of intellectuals who just don't like 
you know, people at National Review hated Donald Trump, still hate Donald Trump. They're, they're, they, this week they came out against him again, saying, you know, he should give up all these legal actions. So, I mean, he, he can't really call Donald Trump a Republican. He's an in, independent who engineered a hostile takeover of one of the two major parties. And if he does go away in the next few weeks or months, it's going to be interesting to see how much of Trumpism lives on in this party because he was the top dog for all those years. None of it lives on. You don't think any of it lives on? No, I will tell you this. I've been in enough companies to tell you that agents of change Mm -hmm. are rarities because the conditions, we talked about problem solving earlier. We need to understand the conditions. The the conditions were ripe to have a Donald Trump-like individual you know, come to the fore and win the election in 2016. Okay, is there another Donald Trump-like person out there mm. who's willing to stand up with this, for this kind of uh, abuse? Mm-hmm. And the answer is likely not. Likely not. And you're not likely to have the conditions. It'll be bad, but it won't be bad enough. Mm-hmm. And if it's not bad enough, you don't get a Donald Trump. And I talk about this in my ebook, Cultural Revolution. Donald Trump is somebody you should never have expected to win the election. Because the voters took a flyer on an unknown. You don't do that. You, choose, you choose the known, even though the known was bad. Better the devil I know. That's the that's old right. adage to live by. <laughs> and it is so true. And so you look at Donald Trump. Is there a chance of Donald Trump ever coming back, a, a Donald Trump ever coming right. back? And the answer is no, there isn't. And, it's, and it's a very, it has its nexus in the fact that agents of change are rarities. They just aren't something that you see in the in the world because they get what Donald Trump has got. Mm-hmm. They get beaten up. And so are you going to be part of that agent of change environment or are you going to say, yeah, you know what, I'll play within the uh, uh, confines of the the game that's out there. And that's what you generally have is you have people who say, hey, you know what, I'm okay with being part of the party. I may just have to sell my soul. Right. And I won't get anything done because I'll compromise everything. Sure, sure. Well, if you compromise, and, and, and it comes out of this. I, I talk about this in some of my articles in another product, and it's the answer is four. Well, your counterpart says the answer is five. We'll compromise at four and a half. Did you define the problem? Is the problem three plus eight and it's supposed to be 11? <laughs> right, right. Or did you compromise at, at four and a half because, well, that's compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you get a bad solution? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you would have had a bad solution anyways. Yep, Four yep. and five are both bad solutions. Exactly, exactly. Four and a half is no better. Right. And so at the end of the day, when you're looking at compromise, compromise is no better. It's, you have to have the willingness to implement good solutions. I think going after ISIS was a good solution. I think that they were a bad actor. They had to be taken out. But I think Donald Trump wanted to get the troops out of Syria, which was the right choice. Mm. And he was stopped by GOP. Mm-hmm. Senator Lindsey Graham yep, yep. and uh, all the Democrats, and I get the Democrats, they're, they're obstructionists, but for the GOP not to understand, I don't want to see another American soldier die. For, for what? For, for what? what? Yeah. And that has to be the, the mindset. Well, you can't simply say, we're going to support the military without supporting the military family. Mm-hmm. And the military family should not have another Gold Star member yeah, yeah. simply because we have, a military, we have a military power or a military prowess we shouldn't be putting that out there. Not if it means an American soldier is going to be in harm's way. The cost and reward have to match. Mm-hmm. Risk-reward. We have to make that determination. And again, unless you start thinking differently, right now the GOP just thinks, hey, yeah, hey let's go to war. I mean, John Bolton, let's go to war. With, the answer to everything, isn't it? Let's go to war with Venezuela. Oh, and, yeah. and, and Trump yeah. says, 
<laughs> John, you need to go. Oh, sorry. John, you need to go. Sorry, walrus mustache. We're, we don't need your... Your services are no longer required. But did you see where I'm coming <laughs> from? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you have to be willing to stand up against your own party. Yeah. And, and that's probably the hardest thing, is that you, you're looking for your own party for support, but they want things their way. That's that affinity group thing. Yeah, yeah. And so you do need to change. If you want to change in New Mexico, you need to change at the top... And you need to change throughout the party. Oh, absolutely. That means you need to have new lifeblood come in and say, we're not doing it the old way. We're not going to get retreads in here. We're going to get people that have platforms that serve this state. And I think that was the greatest failing in the 2020 election is that Mark Ronchetti had a Q factor. Absolutely. Had, en- had enough of a Q factor. Absolutely. Had did. absolutely no platform. Yep. And no platform to support the people of this state. His platform was, I'll work with everybody and make New Mexico better. Oh, thanks. It's, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I mean it's, it's, a right. plat- it's a platitude, yeah, yeah. not a platform. Yeah, and yeah. so you sit there and go, you look at this state, and you go, like, crime is an issue. How do you address that at a federal level? You know, you have the military families. We should be standing up against a Lizzie Gra- uh, Lindsey Graham and saying, no, you pull them out of Syria. That's because right. you know what? We don't care about Syria. We yeah. care about American troops way more yeah. than we do about Syria. Yeah. And then a county ar- argument. You get, well, what if ISIS reconstitutes and they take the oil fields? And I had this argument, uh, did this on my show, and I said, okay, so the ISIS takes over the oil fields in Syria. Where are they going to sell the oil to? Exactly. Well, on the Internet. Yeah. Well, how are they going to deliver the oil? <laughs> they can't deliver the oil, so they could retake all the oil fields in Syria. Yeah. They can't deliver the product. Yeah. Yeah. And that thinking never made it to mainstream. No, no. And therefore, Donald Trump was thwarted in trying to get troops out of Syria. Mm. Thwarted, thwarted in trying to get troops out of northern Iraq. And you know what? Any life that's lost in Syria or northern Iraq that's a military life should go against Lindsey Graham, should go against uh, the liberal media because they mm-hmm. prevented Donald Trump from protecting those people who we should protect because they're willing to go to war for us. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're willing to go for war us, for us, we should go to bat for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. See how that would play in this state. Given and, all and, the it's sad, and, well, and it's sad because your, your zealot example or, or your zealot argument is when you're, when you're deranged and you think Donald Trump is pure evil and everything he does is wrong, some of the people on the left should have been in the, in the forefront, the people who were opposed to military interventionism globally, and they, they were so blinded by their hate. Like, as a libertarian, I, I did not vote for Donald Trump. I was very, in 2016, I was very concerned about, uh, I, I'm generally, generally pro immigration, and I'm extremely pro free trade. So that was so much of his campaign. But I looked at almost four years of the actual administration. I looked at tax cuts. I looked at trying to roll back Obama's regulatory assault. I looked at generally good uh, appointments to the bench, to the federal bench. I looked at foreign policy, which was so much better than every pre- the last nine presidents combined, and I was willing to look past my initial uh, aggression toward Trump and because I didn't have the zealot craziness that, 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 that the orange man bad people did. They should have been in the forefront. Maybe we could have had even better foreign policy under Trump if some Democrats and liberals had come forward to help them, but, it, but they, couldn't, they couldn't let themselves do it. And this is what, you know, I was disappointed in Tulsi Gabbard, because I thought yes. that she, she had the platform of saying, support the military family, yep. the American military family, stop the interventionalism. Yep. And Donald Trump was going right down that path, <laughs> and she was just so caught up in party identity yep. that yep. she wasn't willing to come out and say, you know what, he's doing a good job. Yep. Yep. And I support him pulling troops out of Syria, northern Iraq, out of Afghanistan. Yep. Yep. And any military engagement that we don't need to be in, 
we, we don't need to be risking an American family. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. certainly shouldn't be risking another gold star family. And again, I get back down to this doubt, is that that's a platform. And yeah. that's a platform that would work in this state. Heck yes. Specifically yep. in this state. Yep. That would work in this state because you've got so many people oh, huge. who are either in the military or ex-military. Yeah, or their kids are about to enter the military. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, especially CD3. You're oh, yeah. like, what yeah. are your chances yeah. for employment right. in the military? What do you got? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is I mean, the major recruiting up in, in CD3 for mm. the military because mm-hmm. the options are so limited. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Nobody on the GOP was standing up for Donald Trump. And we lost that opportunity. And Mark Ronchetti, he could have taken Ben Ray Lujan. If he had a platform. Yeah. And that's where it comes to leadership at the state level and whether or not uh, Steve Pierce, who's a nice guy, I've met him a few times. Uh, I think he's a nice guy. I think he does get the issues, but I don't think he has the leadership. I don't think he's thinking outside the party affiliation to say, I don't care about your party affiliation. I care about how do you protect or serve the uh, the New Mexican population. That's it, period. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because... It, to me, I I was I had one six month job in politics in my life and over a fifty million dollar Senate campaign back in in Connecticut. I don't really like politics, but my thought about why you get this kind of milk toast New Mexico GOP happened in my native Connecticut GOP is you know the political consultants tell you that's dangerous, that's risky, that's going to offend soccer moms. Donald Trump probably did out of the hundred worst things a political consultant could tell you you could do. Donald Trump probably did ninety cent of ninety seven of them. Not only did he beat the Bush dynasty to get the nomination, he beat the Clintons in 2016. He, you know, if we had a fair election, the more I, you know, more I listened to Dan Butterfield, he would have been, re- well, we know he got 10 million more votes, regardless of what, you know, what, what he has been reelected. It's just they got to prove it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the exit polling is showing he did better mm-hmm. with Latinos, blacks, homosexuals, all these groups that, you know, you're told, oh, God, you know, you say something that will offend, you know, that particular constituency, you're done. And I think Donald, it's so sad that the historians of the presidency, I'm thinking of, you know, some really awful people like Doris Kearns Goodwin and Michael Bischloss and all those historians, they're part of the orange man bad world, and they can't step outside that and look at Donald Trump and say, this guy's a really transformative figure. I mean, in American history, if he died tomorrow, he's still... What he pulled off was pretty, whether you like the policies or not, what he did was really, really amazing. And he actually exposed a line of thinking that, that, that runs very deeply through the heartland of America because it got him political success, clearly. Um, and not only did was he not destroyed by all these attacks, but he actually got at least 10 million more votes uh, and, and won, what, 57 out of the 58 bellwether counties, but somehow he still didn't get reelected. No, he, he's gotten um, reelected. <laughs> we just have to let the process carry itself out. And I think that as everything we've talked about today, Dad, yeah. I think it should give the audience hope y- y- yes. that there is real, I mean, he, he, that he did get elected. And he you you offered be. a very uh, cogent, uh, sincere brief for, 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 uh, for getting, drilling down to the truth on this. But, but Trump as a transformer, I'm just, I, I, I've been around boring politicians my whole life, almost every, other than maybe Reagan, everybody was boring. Even Clinton was not that exciting at the end of the day. He was just a horny guy from Arkansas. Um, Trump is this transformative historical figure who's a really, the Trump, even if you hate Trump, the Trump phenomenon is a very interesting phenomenon, and if you could look at it objectively, which nobody seems to be able to do, uh, you would you would be able to see through that, and he did what the political consultants, and I've been around some of these people, told you you can't do, and so I apply that to New Mexico, which is, what if you challenge the central assumptions about government in New Mexico. Hey, maybe giving more money to government schools is a really bad idea, and we actually need school choice in New Mexico. Maybe the federal presence here has actually made us more dependent on Washington, which is broke, 
and we can't count on that money. Maybe we not only should be not fighting base realignment and closure, we should be welcoming maybe one of our facilities being closed so that we can pay off the national debt so that your children are paying taxes at 80% like you're in France for the rest of their lives. So you need these these new ideas and new ways of thinking. Trump brought that to the GOP nationally and had a fair amount of success with it. While here in New Mexico, I'm not talking about necessarily the same issues. It may be just local to New Mexico. You need to have transformative thinking. And instead we have that boring inertia you know, Steve Pierceism, when he's on TV flacking for Hollywood, you know, we should have more Hollywood production here. They, production comes here, they fund a union that fights every, everybody in your political party, you dope. You, you can't even figure that out. I, I was in the, I wrote a piece in the Santa Fe paper a couple of years ago. I used to sneak into these film commission meetings up in Santa Fe. They were bashing Steve Pierce as in a, in a state building, which is against state law, uh, when he was running for governor. And he's out there in his campaign talking about, I mean, Eddie will bring change to the New Mexico Republican Party, Party, ladies and gentlemen, whether you hate him or not. Give the guy a fair hearing, okay? (laughs) I think that the the platform that I would promote if I were talking to Eddie, it's good governance. You're you're talking to me. I just got back. Oh! I'd be saying good governance. All the bad things we just said about him? I don't care what you say about him. It wouldn't wouldn't affect me in the least. I I would say good governance is the platform. and, And however you can do good governance. And you know what? Take care of the middle class guy. Because at the end of the day, everybody's looking for the lower class or the upper class. Mm, mm, mm. The middle class drives this country. Yeah. And if you, like I said, with the military families, that's middle class. Yep, yep. If you're looking at crime, middle class. Yep. And if you're doing good governance for the people, that's all they can ask of you. And I think that that has not taken place. And, and how, about so, a middle so class with, uh, how about a middle class mom and dad with a kid in a cruddy uh, government school who, who, who they're seeking charter, options? Yeah, charter, you know, charter should be allowed. Voc- yeah. Vocational, yeah. you know, whatever. I think what we found is just our state doesn't work for us. It works for itself. It works to get bigger. It becomes a little fiathin. I think you were referring to Steve Pierce supporting the film industry. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Republicans, by and large, have done so. Uh, did you ever touch upon Kelly Fajardo and her support we, we got for the that. Energy uh, Transition yeah, we, Act? I okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I think the problem, you know, really for many people is philosophically they don't agree with the people that they're forced to vote for, which the more things change or don't change, the more they will never change because the politicians are changing right in front of them just so that they can go ahead and uh, and get elected rather than standing behind philosophies or political positions that they should learn how to sell. If you have both sides of the same coin selling the same exact um, positions, according to the film industry, there's no differentiation. No differentiation. That's yeah, the so, big there, so there's no choice. That's right. So, you know, I think the resonate... The, the resonating that goes on with the Democrats, like, yeah, we expect them to support film, and we expect Republicans to not support film. We expect, uh, you know, Republicans to not support unions and we ex- and, right to, and support right to work and sell us and tell us exactly what it is. Most Republicans can't tell you what right to work is. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these mm-hmm. are really just elemental things, but they're very focused. I think you're referring to, you know, Mark Ronchetti, and I think uh, Dan touched upon he did. platitudes versus platform. There was no platform. Um Again, this has to do with an inability to discuss principles, values, and then uh, inability to discuss issues and choices. Uh, it really is that, and you have to, you know, sort of work those muscles out to the point where you get a chance to offer the consumer, whether you win or lose, it's not about, nobody cares if you win or lose, because as a unit, you represent what they want, which is different from what they currently have. And I think that's the problem is 
they start ego tripping and they're like, oh, I see myself as a senator, as a congressman or up in Santa Fe. And what is it going to take to get me uh, to that point? So you'll you'll consistently get people who will compromise themselves and start pitching positions. You know, Alexis Martinez Johnson moves straight to the middle. Right. She didn't offer any differentiation. May, maybe it would have helped her get elected, but did it really offer the people of the 3rd Congressional District a stark choice as to what's what? No, she didn't pitch her position. She instead focused on coming more closer to the middle. And, you know, by and large, that's what we've seen. You went to the classic uh, George Washington School of uh, Political um, <laughs> Calculus. I w. Think that, yeah. yeah, that GW has the, um, what, what is that degree, the political uh, management, consultant? Yeah, 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 political management. So... The art of political management is, is knowing how to read the polls in the morning and knowing how to pitch your position and coming up with something that you were grooming yourself so that you can get elected. That's not the job. The job is to pitch your position and your principles as to why they work and sell them harder and believe in them more passionately and and and, and really let them resonate with the people out there, which gives people say, you know what? I really like that guy. And maybe I don't like what he says. Maybe I don't like him, per se. Right. I'm literally talking about Trump. <laughs> yes, but boy, are. he is going to get the job done. And now we've got an entire party that its only focus is to badmouth the previous guy who did an excellent job and tell you why they're going to do a better job, all while you're just eating you know, their uh, you-know-what sandwich, um, which is being served up by the media. So... Um, what I'm seeing, let me read a bunch of texts that came for you guys, and I don't even oh know. Oh, boy, here comes, here comes the school principal. <laughs> how no, did, no, how no. did we do? <laughs> oh, no, I no I'm joking. I, well, we have fans. Dan and I have fans out there. Oh, by the sure. way, I got my uh, therapy you. tomorrow, so the 10.30 a.m., looking forward to that. Okay. That's very exciting. Did you fix the, sta- fix the station? Or are we uh, we're, we're, we're 90% there. Okie dokie. I think that's um, the most important thing. Let's see. Oh, my God, Eddie. I thought it was permanent. Uh, she's like, first I can't get Kiva. Now I even can't get Kiva light. Feels like pioneer times. Relax, Judith. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was permanent. Thank you. <laughs> thank you that it's not. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was out there freezing my ass off. I bet you were. <laughs> uh, it is a little bit cold, and we got our engineer there. He's doing good. Uh, Eddie, let's see. Red flag, Bernalillo County. I was in a parking lot at Walmart today proceeding to Sam's. The line outside of Walmart was 175 feet long, approximately. I was accounting the expansion joints in the concrete. Wow. Everyone was six feet apart, wearing a mask. What's the difference? Sitting outside in a six foot apart, uh, six feet apart versus shopping inside six feet apart. <laughs> We're the same. PPE. <laughs> How many call the governor's office? Leave another message. Doesn't happen. But I want my voice to be heard, no matter what. That's uh, Robin Hood, the conservative Patrick. Uh, first search, second search, third search. I'm not sure about the category. We had the first surge and everything else has this cross-contamination between people. As in washing hands, touching face, not talking about the mask. The second surge in which Fauci realized that Trump is doing a good job. <laughs> and the U.S. is continuing their financial gain over China. They came up with, if you have a car where we're sneezing, the food doesn't taste the same, which is if the smoke, I don't even know where he's going with this. And then he talks about the third surge. To the rock of talk right now, 620, like Rush said five years ago, Donald Trump does not have a thing of print in D.C. Uh, Eddie Aragon does not have a fingerprint in New Mexico politics. I'm not sure what he's saying there. I think he was trying to compliment us, uh, to be quite honest. Our propaganda machine is now trying to convince people, Eddie, that they're sick, even with negative test results. So I'm looking at a video. It says, day zero, Ashley is ex- exposed to COVID-19. Day, f- day four, Ashley learns she was exposed to COVID-19 and self-isolates. Day five, Ashley gets tested for COVID-19. The results come back negative. Day eight, Ashley thinks she doesn't have COVID-19 right. because she tested negative. She goes to work, 
to a small family gathering. Ashley doesn't know that yep. she does have COVID-19 and is contagious even without having symptoms. She has now exposed 11 people. Yep, yep. Oh, we have my to find gosh. Ashley and shoot her, yes. <laughs> Day 10, Ashley develops symptoms. She gets tested again and tests positive for COVID-19. In other words, the COVID is out there. Do not go out. That's uh, exactly what they're saying. Uh, thanks to Robin Tiger this afternoon. Appreciate you guys. Eddie, my 82-year-old mother-in-law had to wait one and a half hours just to get into Walmart. Oh. Has constant chills and isn't feeling well because she got thoroughly chilled by standing in the wind waiting to get in the store. The regime in Santa Fe disregards people in need of basic supplies and prescription refills. I think they supposedly want, uh, purposely want people, especially the elderly, become ill by implementing these asinine restrictions. That's from Martin. Uh, you're dead on, Martin. Yep. yep. Um, they want you to get sick because they, there's a lot of people who love misery. You just need to understand that. Um, let's see. Eddie, I live in the Berlin area. I have a very senior friend that lives in the Socorro County in the desert off of I-60. She lives in the poverty with no heat, Oof. gas, electricity, and water. She is slowly dying from congestive heart failure. She has to carry oxygen container with her constantly. She weighs maybe 85 pounds. She shops. May, she weighs maybe 85 pounds. She shops at Belen and Walmart, the Belen Walmart. Yesterday, she was able to get to Walmart by 8 a.m. She had to stand in line for 35 minutes in the cold and wind. She oh, can right. barely stand in good weather, let alone the wind. She kept asking when she can go as if she was freezing. The geniuses guarding the door kept telling her to wait her turn. Good old Walmart has a wonderful, helpful policy to let seniors in, I think, on Tuesday, but oh. only one day a week from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. She lives 50 miles away. Many seniors rely on rides from families to friends, so it's hard, if not impossible, for them. Thank you, Walmart and evil Michelle Crusom, for caring about your people. I look forward to your downfall. Someone's going to get themselves killed at this rate, um, and it's not the people who are suffering. I've been thinking about that. You know, people standing in line. Yeah. Your tempers start to flare. Somebody throws a punch at somebody. No, I I think there's going to be people who are making decisions that... You know, I, I mean, I don't want anything bad to happen to our governor, but I guarantee there's people who are wanting something bad to happen to her or anybody else who's making decisions on our behalf. Dr. Scrays, anybody. I mean, they should literally feel, fear for their lives at this point. I know I am for the things that I'm saying. I mean, you've been, we've been down that road. Nobody coming after us. Special Operations Unit of, they, they wouldn't want to come after me. Special Operations Unit of Army 305th Battalion Sea Server in Frankfurt, Germany. Captured all data of election from all the states. Uh, we did verify that, and that is indeed true. Steve says, Eddie, let's hope she doesn't get the job in Washington. We will all have a national national lockdown. At this point, I would prefer whatever she does up in Washington uh, versus what you guys are experiencing here. Seriously, I, I feel that strong. Uh, hi, Eddie. In order to meet this ridiculous order, people have to stop getting tested voluntarily. Thank you, you Christy. Yeah, absolutely good. Do not get tested. Don't get tested. If you're sick, go, get it, go to a doctor. But don't get tested because you might have possibly been exposed to somebody who was exposed to somebody. Right. And then don't rat out the people you did. So if you've got a contact list, Absolutely. say, I've been isolated for two years living in a cave right. with a mountain cat. And you know what? That's my. You want to go find that mountain cat? You go find that mountain cat. Good but, luck. But you don't go to any of the restaurants I go to. You don't go to any of the big box stores I go to because I'm not putting it down on the contact tracing. So at the end of the day, getting tested is bad. The contact tracing, what are you doing? Yeah, Don't right. rat people out if you want that business to survive. I think one problem with the testing, which leads to cases that some employees of businesses and healthcare providers are required to be tested. They don't have a choice, which is right. BS, and I will continue to add to the case count. It I really feel for ending. those people. Oh, yeah. these employers yeah. who do, do the dance for the governor, yep. uh, they're the worst. But don't do the contact tracing. And the associations that are out there that are uh, advocating for the rest of the business that they need to abide by, 
these certain laws and these certain things, I think that they're doing themselves a disservice. Um, Eddie's thoughts are inside on Project Veritas, CNN tapes. Uh, someone sent that to me. I don't know about it. Well, will we look into it tonight? We, we will look into it tonight. Uh, Eddie, this is, this, is, this is amazing. Eddie, I'm willing to stand in line for elders as a volunteer. Not sure how wow. the word gets out. I'm retired and in fair, fairly good Good help. for you. That's a good person. You know, we are at this point where, I mean, this, we're experiencing communism, folks. You're literally living in a communist state. New um, Venezuela, I think we should start calling ourselves. Color alerts, red, yellow, and green reminds me of 2001 after 9-11 to make people feel safe. Control the compliant by the complicit. Does the flu exist or will it pop up after those who get their roll-up sleeves? Uh, and those who believe in chemtrailing sprayers and more spraying on il illnesses? Testing in the beginning was only if you had a sore throat or fever. Why is it changing for everybody? All mainstream media TV anchors should get their COVID vax first. They're so essential, right? You guys <laughs> could get Dr. Shiva Redura on. He is in Massachusetts. Right. He's on YouTube as well. Um, I know somebody who knows MIT him guy, I think. That's a, um, that's a statistician we're talking about in Michigan. Thanks uh, for thanks listening. Awesome show as always. Uh, by the way, make sure you go. If you text me directly, I'll give you the link so you can listen. Low tech, high tech, and then uh, on air, of course. I keep hearing Eddie about things like Elon Musk claiming he got tested for COVID four times in one day, with two being negative, two being positive. A study out of John Hopkins last year, all over the death rates for seniors for any other age group are the same as this year. Since we can't actually see a virus or bacteria can and do tell us anything they want, of course. Yep, and that's the thing. That's the secret. They control all the information. They control the testing. And you don't even know. If if you died in the hospital right now, I would say soup to nuts, you'd probably end up being uh, diagnosed with COVID. Oh, yeah, car accidents. Yeah. They're not getting... They will get my information when I'm literally on a stretcher being brought to a hospital and I can't fight them. I don't want to be part of their records. I don't want anything to do with them because I don't think they're competent, frankly. Yep. Uh, Eddie, I hear you say that they ripped down your tower. Um, they didn't rip down the tower. They ripped down the equipment. They took out the equipment that makes the tower dysfunctional. If I heard correctly, I'm sorry, Eddie. Who would do that? I hope they're caught and prosecuted. Yeah, there's the video. It's online, and we've already started getting some tips, believe it or not. Uh, Eddie, agree with my positions or not? I wouldn't listen to my consultants and pander in violation of my principles. Probably why I haven't been, or why I wasn't elected. I agree with what the guys were saying. Oh, uh, there you go. That's from Michael Hendricks. Uh, so, Brilliant, spot on. Forgive me if you have touched on this already. I got to talk about those CNN tapes. We got to do that. Uh, engineers back downstairs. I got to get to him. Um, there'll be a, a oh, we've got a Pinion Post show, uh, thing coming out. Oh, good, good, good. So, very good. Uh, I know you got to run, Dowd. Uh, we are out of here, <laughs> Dowd and Dan. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for holding Did, down the floor. We didn't, we didn't commit any federal violations. I hope. No, I don't no, know. We're good. You, you <laughs> no, drop we didn't. Anything? We didn't drive the audience away. I hope that's the big one. Uh, Linwood is spot on. Got to do martial law. Can I read this last thing for you guys? Yo, check this out. Patriot Robert Trump went undercover for. Among the John Birch Society's pet causes in the 60s was advocating for the impeachment of Supreme Court Justice Chief Earl Warren. You can go, Dowd. You don't stay here. Oh, thank you, sir. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You gotta, whatever you got to do, I don't care. <laughs> and see, that's the great thing about Dowd. I don't even know what he does. <laughs> I talked to him like five minutes before he gets here. He goes home. I'm like, what'd you do? Where are you going? Like, I don't think I've ever asked him one time. Would you say that I'm a micromanager ever, Dowd? Uh, no. Not no. At not at all. I don't care. There we go. Uh, but there, all right, let me read this to you, Dan, since we're, since we're, we already missed the beginning of um, whatever. Uh, what's his name? Bill O'Reilly? Damn it. <laughs> the society was Welch's attempt to root out the Reds, an end goal he offended justification for his opposition to the United Nations. The Civil Rights Movement, an attempt to establish the independent Negro Soviet Republic. What? 
and public water fluoridation. And Dwight Eisenhower is dedicated conscious agent of the communist conspiracy among myriad other of targets as his suspicion. Comrade Texans quickly became fans. Dan, Dallas Oilman, H.L. Hunt, the richest man in the world, and the major Republican donor espoused Bircher's views on this popular radio program starting in the 50s. Dallas Reverend W.A. Criswell, a segregationist head of the largest Southern Baptist congregation in the world, praised Bircher's positions from the pulpit and railed against the leftists, the liberals, and the, whoa, pinks, and the welfare status, who are soft on communism and easy towards Russia. Major General Edward Walker, born in the small town of Texas, commander of 10,000 troops, stationed in post-war Europe, distributed Bircher material to the men under his command. Walker, who called Harry Truman and Eleanor Roosevelt definitely pink, resigned after being investigated by the Kennedy administration, for engaging in partisan political activity on the job in 61. They know Trump has their number. Lynn Wood is spot on. Got to do martial law. What do you think about martial law to go in and take back the election, um, Dan? Oh, we, we lost Dan. I'm not even, I didn't even see Dan pick up and leave. Let me read the rest of your text very quickly. Uh, Eddie, what's with the station? I can't get it without terrible static. I will go ahead and... Text you directly so that uh, you have all that. And if you need that, there we go. He's got that. And those guys, oh, oh there, Dan's back. I guess he had to walk his, he had to walk down back out. Uh, Eddie, I'd leave court in a second, if not for family court. Uh, Eddie, if you need a new tower, I know where you can get one, Joe. <laughs> oh, appreciate that, Joe. You can, you, you want to build me one. Uh, Joaquin says, best show ever. I uh, just patronized the local mom and pop shop today. They stayed open throughout this entire time, Eddie. The owner told me she didn't care. She decided to stay open low-key and play dumb, and if they got busted, they got busted. The thing is, the traffic is the same whether we have an order in place or not. Customers trickle in all day. She's never really above a quarter of capacity anyway. There you go. Perfect. Uh, Eddie, hi, Eddie. Love your passion. Do you know if Hobby Lobby and Ross were given a cease and desist order? I believe Hobby Lobby was. They were open two days later than closed. Thank you for all you do, Nan. I think uh, Hobby Lobby was. Don't know anything about Ross. But Ross is very essentialism. I mean, you know, where else are you going to find all those uh, those clothes for so cheap? Uh, MLG is waiting until the presidency is finally settled to free the people of New Mexico. Wow. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think she likes this. Eddie, I moved here four years ago from San Diego because I met Mrs. Santa Fe, oh, in 2011. Miss, is there a Mrs. Santa Fe? Have you ever heard of such Oh, Dan. There it is. What, is there I imagine a, it must be. It's like a beauty pageant? I'm sure. Are they all like 50-year-old new moms? Yeah, you never know. Uh, married to 65-year-old silver hair ponytail crowd people? Could be. <laughs> Dining at the uh, the blue corn, you know, the whatever whatever they, they are. We're planning a move to a red state, Eddie. Uh, she's been here over 20 years. Oh, this is sad. Uh, rumor has it Biden's administration is going to use New Mexico as a guinea pig for socialism. There you go. That's exactly right. Northern Florida is very attractive to us. That's uh, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate that. I won't say how old she is, but together our total age is 140 years. This was at the Trump rally at the airport in 2016. Oh, you guys go live your life. Whatever you need to do. Right, Dan? Sure, absolutely. Like, like I would never, you know, I will never. I'm not going to curse you. for. If you're not from here and you need to get going and you don't like it here, I'm not going to hold you back. Trust me. I understand. Uh, Eddie, I'm confused. Why have the dumbers grown up so dramatically over the past two months? Are people getting paid to get tested? Uh, I don't think so. In fact, they're having to pay to test. That's how That's how much they got us here. Are people just running in mass to get tested for the heck of it? I know I've heard the people can be tested multiple times to be considered new positive. It just doesn't make sense to me. I've never been tested. Don't plan on getting tested. I was sick in January and February, and who knows? I could have had it back then before it was so publicized. 
I went to the LA Marathon the week before she shut us down. No one I know who was at the huge event even got sick. There you go. I agree with every word of what he just said, and uh, glad he got out. Paul Rio Rancher says this case is this case thing is BS. Who cares if it's thousands of cases a minute, or it's a fatal? It's not fatal to most. So who cares? If you're susceptible, take precautions. This is the control freak left refusing to let go of control until she's arrested or impeached. It will never ever stop. Colds and flus happen. Yeah, people get sick. Dan, you were sick when? Uh, end of February, uh, beginning of March, and I'm pretty sure it was coronavirus. Eddie, so even if we move to any of those levels, there are still restrictions, even this Green Plus? Yes, yes. Give one last. The damage to the state is not only bad, but it will spiral down. Uh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, Eddie, my parents are older. When they pass, my wife and I are out of here. I have kids in high school, and they want to move. New Mexico is hopeless. Dawn. Uh, Eddie, I used to be able to listen to you all the way to Socorro. Now I lose you passing I-25 on Broadway. Yeah, well, it's because... Uh, we're screwed. We uh, are almost getting our AM up. Uh, give me like an hour and a half, I think. I uh, thought you might like this. Oh, the little elf ears on Biden. That's funny. Uh, 93.7 is up and running. appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, Matt says, parent company of Dominion Voting Systems received $400 million. Did you see this? This is the U.S. Uh, footprint. I think it was also bought by a China company. Is that correct, Dan? Did I, I that right? do not know about the Dominion stuff. Okay. I haven't really looked into it. Well, I've, I've only looked at the uh, statistical analysis by Dr. Aya Dure, and his stuff is spot on. And so I do think that there's malfeasance in the software itself. <laughs> that's the operating code. Yeah. And so that's Smartmatic. Right, uh, right, right, right. And so well, Smartmatic is hanging out uh, pretty closely with Bill Gates. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, yeah. I think that a lot of these players all, you know, swim in the same cesspool. And so, I, I you know, what I looked at was the data and saying, the analysis of the data is very, very strong. Uh, if you want to call in for the last few minutes, and believe it or not, I, I, uh, I wasn't on. There wasn't a uh, friend, Eddie. I have a friend in the hospital ER, personal in downtown Albuquerque. Also a Biden lockdown lover. Ooh, I like that lockdown. Lockdown love. Penny lover. Says today, I don't understand why all of our patients are from Mexico. Wow. Uh, Brennan says, uh, thoughts or insights on the Project Veritas CNN tapes? Forgive me if you already touched on this. I have a reliable source, also known as my mom, who said that UNM COVID testing is so dysfunctional and wishes people to stop testing. She said, just quarantine to move on with your life. Okay, so you can't, if you quarantine at any point, Dan, just think of the very nature of quarantine. Mm -hmm. You can't move on with life. Mm -hmm. Like, that's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction that's, in total terms. True. Is that that's true? true? That's okay, true. Uh, she's a Democrat, too, by the way. Oh, all moms are Democrats, right? Helicopter moms, especially. Uh, Iranian top nuclear science died of COVID. 1984. Businesses, especially brew pubs and restaurants, need to open up now or kiss everything they work so hard to obtain. Bye-bye. That's true. Uh, if you're a brewery and you don't open up, uh, prepare to close down. Seriously. If you are going to obey anything the governor tells you to do and not fight it, just shut your business down. It, there's no... That, that's it. That's... That's where we are. That's literally where we are at this point. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Again, we need to reach out to all the county sheriffs all over. Where are the county sheriffs? When's the last time you heard us talk about county sheriffs, Dan? I uh, haven't. Not in a while. Not since before the election. Again, we need to reach out to all the county sheriffs all over New Mexico. I truly believe the sheriffs will back small businesses. I don't think so. Uh, they used to, but I have not heard hide or hair from I would also encourage businesses to declare their property an autonomous zone as well as not signing any possible fines or citations so as not to enter any contract 
especially if those so-called mandates and edicts are most likely to be unenforceable, let alone legal. Yes, you're listening. In fact, I would love to see entire towns declare themselves autonomous zones. We not only need to engage in non-compliance, but ignore her altogether and neuter her, metaphorically, MLG. Nobody in New Mexico realizes how ridiculous what is happening to them here. Uh, Eddie, the fight we are witnessing right now is between good and Satan, good and evil, light and dark. We are winning. I'd like to think that uh, here. It's, we're not winning here, but you could, especially if you select me as your chairman. I'll just, I'll, it will, literally, we'll be uh, herding cats all day long. Uh, Eddie... Hey, my name is Kevin. I'm the person who is moving to Idaho after 30 years here in Albuquerque. I will switch my browser over to Brave. I've been using Linux operating, there you go, for systems for years because it is more secure, not perfect, but better than others. The email services that I'm switching to for private communication is LavaBit. Their slogan is end-to-end encryption to everyone, everywhere. And so far, the LavaBit service seems less and, uh, and it's working well. Uh, let's see. Eddie, hope you're holding up okay. Unbelievable what happened at the top of the mountain. Hang in there. Yes, no problem. Um, it's supposed to be on KRQE, but there we go. Final thoughts, Dan Butterfield. We got all the thoughts from all our listeners who got to get some stuff off their chest. I think that, uh, you know, with Dowd and I, I think we, we did uh, cover a lot about the election, and, and I think people should be hopeful. I think that what you hear on the news, don't believe it. I think that Donald Trump has good options. I think that they are all going to be limited options, yes, but I think he's got so many options around the country, and he only needs three states. He only needs, like, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona, because I think Nevada will not be able to certify their vote. So I think when you start looking at this, even Pennsylvania may have a hard time certifying their vote, given what they did with the mail-in ballots. So Donald Trump is in a good place, and people just need to have a little faith. It's going to take a little bit longer, because I don't think he's going to get cooperation at the county level from a lot of these these uh, different jurisdictions. And therefore, it's going to take some time. Can you believe we ruined an entire country this quickly? Um, I think it probably was on the path to ruination. Donald Trump has stepped in to be its savior, and to think that people don't want to have a savior is somewhat ridiculous. Yeah. They need an agent of change, and we talked about that, Dad and I did, about your running for the, the, uh, the uh, chairmanship of the Republican Party here. If you don't change, you get the same old, same old. Right. Well, how does that work? I mean, you're not going to win anything if you're not willing to break some eggs. So at and, the end of the day, Steve Pierce is so incredibly boring. Seriously, nice guy, I mean, but yes, I mean, he's he, at some point. You know, if I were his age, I was trying to think. Of, I mean, who would be wanting to run for anything at his age? And why? Why are we doing that at this point? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it, it comes down to this: is it the party is not the one you should be serving? It is the people. Yep. And bottom or line, not your own political interests as well. Right. There's rumors. Um, Galore about him wanting to run for governor as well. So that's the other thing in the midst of all this. All right, folks, we appreciate it. Dan Butterfield, thank you for being here. Dow, thank you for all you do, and thanks for everything. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe uh, directly. You can text me directly, 550-5500, or easier than that, uh, just go to www.rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat, abq.fm, kiva.am for you low-tech guys out there just want to listen on a little browser. And uh, hopefully I'll be going right now to go plug in uh, 1600 and get it back up and uh, running. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you tomorrow, bright and early, 4 p.m. Rudy Grande and I will be back. It's going to be frio, frio, frio tomorrow. So make sure you bundle up. It's cold outside. Don't you know how cold it is outside? Put on the jacket. Put on the hat. You're going to freeze. All right. Hit the top of the hour. Fox News. And then 
Buck Sexton is next. You're listening to Fox News ABQ.FM, K229CL, 93.7 FM, and AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque.